Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AdCast. Um, so this episode marks the end of our weekly catch-up sprint, and instead of returning to our normal schedule, we decided we'd try a new one. So from now on, the AdCast will upload uh, once a month on the last Sunday of each month, and this won't include seasonal anime episodes, which will go up uh, whenever they're ready and timely, um, so that might those might actually turn around faster than they used to. Um, we decided to try this new schedule because we wanted to do episodes about longer topics like games and anime with like multiple seasons that might take more than like a week or two to get through. Um, you know, obviously we're busy people and we have lives to live outside of the podcast as much as I would love to just live inside the podcast world forever. Um, but yeah. Uh, our, reg- our next regular episode will come out at the end of June, um, and it'll be about Haikyuu. Um, but I promise that we will not leave you hanging uh, until then. I promise there will be something cool and exciting coming out at the end of May uh, on the last Sunday. So look forward to that. and welcome to the AtCast, a podcast for the study of modern visual culture. I'm your reincarnated villainous soup. <laughs> and I'm your Gyaru with the dinosaur companion, Renu. <laughs> wow, I kind of stumbled over my words there, but that that's okay. Um, you, you, you nailed it. I, I think you got it. <laughs> okay, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, this week, at stands for Absolute Territory because we will be covering the spring 2020 season. Woo! But before we get into that, what what have we been up to in these trying times, Renu? It's been a little bit since we've recorded, um, mostly because the podcast went on an unexpected hiatus because uh, it took me a long time to learn Reaper. Uh, I, even now, I feel like I still don't really have it, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like uh, I feel like I've I've done I've done some work to to okay. to try and get there. Um, I had a friend help me out um, who's like you know pretty pretty good at using the program. Uh, That's good. But, so we had an episode come out. Um, and we're yeah. recording it the week after it has come out, or the week of it coming out, something like that. That's exciting. Hey, yeah, that's exciting. Hot off the presses. Um, hot off, hot <laughs> off the presses. Even though this episode is going to come out in like two weeks. Oh, it's whatever. You know, uh, we have it up. So that's that's all that matters. That's all that matters. <laughs> Not hot off the presses. Um, as hot off the presses as we can manage. You know. <laughs> I mean, I was also busy doing other stuff, so naturally that will also eat into my time. Um, mm-hmm. And also, just, I don't know, it's just kind of a pain to learn a new thing. <laughs> like, it's so much oh, yeah, work. Of course. Yeah, I've um I've been learning Vegas Pro as well to to switch over off of uh, Adobe. And right. Yeah. That that was a little bit that. I, and I, I will say this, it's a pain because, like, unfortunately, Ad- Adobe still has kind of the market on like a lot of uh, the most, like, sort of approachable, easy-to-understand, yes, powerful workflows. Um, yep. It's very helpful that you can just kind of put things from one program into another program. It's yeah. kind of... There's no real video editing software that's as good as Adobe Premiere. Yeah. Which is, like, disappointing. Um, at the very least, uh, Reaper is as powerful, if not more, than Audition. It's just a little bit 
finicky-er to use. Um, mm. is, is it's, a, it's a lot less intuitive. So I kind of yeah. vaguely understood the things that I needed to do to the audio. Yeah. But it I didn't know how to do them and how to do them effectively because Adobe makes it really easy. So, right. You know, that's that's how it's been. Um on the podcast front, I suppose. Um, what, what have you been up to? Um, it's, I... been like, it's been like two weeks, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. So for me, um, I've been able to work from home, which is great. Um, but in my downtime, since we don't go anywhere, it's mostly been um, gardening, which my friend has oh, been calling okay. IRL Animal Crossing. <laughs> wow. That's like... And... <laughs> you're... You're like really getting to that point where you're like becoming like an old Asian man, you know? <laughs> yeah, like it yeah. it always it always starts with gardening and then you're like placing rocks everywhere and you're just like I found this rock in the river and you're just like polishing it. You're like this is my rock. <laughs> Start building things around the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll like learn how to like do like carpentry and stuff. Like Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you. This is this is the this is the first step. I'll become my father. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's been that. Um. And that's been fun. Um. And we've been clearing like little areas around the house to like garden and stuff because it's mostly been like covered in like trash from like previous tenants and stuff. Like not 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 like a junk pile kind of deal, but like when we unearth the soil, it's there's trash underneath, and so we're like, Ew. oh, I see. <laughs> So it's been cleaning all of that out and and putting pretty flowers over it. So that's been fun. That's nice. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it's just been like games and stuff. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. True. 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 Um, I tried out um Persona Five Royal. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we got through the first dungeon, which okay. is fun. Um. Seeing all the, the the different changes that they made has been pretty good. Like uh, the way that they've been incorporating Kasumi from the very beginning is interesting. Okay, I like, still don't understand what her role is in the the game. Yeah, I don't either. They they foreshadow it during the intro sequence, but uh, otherwise, they've been pretty thorough in incorporating her better than um, Marie, Maria. Marine. Oh right, in like golden. From golden, yeah. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, and she definitely, she she definitely seems like she ha- she is her own entity, which is cool. Okay, so I'm I was. Forward to that. I'm just confused because I thought she was just gonna be like a female playable character. Yeah, or there were people who were speculating that she would be, you know, like kind of like how Persona Three had like the female protagonist. Well, yeah. Yeah. That that's what I assumed it would be, but apparently right. not. Right? Yeah. No, I thought so too. But no, she's she's well, a well, because her her outfit is like so similar to Joker's anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I guess. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess I they wanted to go this route. However, they want to incorporate her in the story. I'm interested in seeing it, and I imagine you'll be able to romance her. So she's like another waifu option. <laughs> so. Sure. Sure. I mean. <laughs> Yeah. Um so that's every, every game every game has one. Yeah, right. <laughs> like uh like uh this is this is a um a female character like comma basic. 
Yes. Yeah. You, know? you, you look at her and it's like, ah, yes, she is romanceable. <laughs> well, she she gives off like a, a vibe similar to, and I, this is just from her design because I actually haven't seen anything of, of uh, Royal, but um, she kind of gives off like a Yukari vibe where it's like, she just happens to be a person that you meet and is a character that you could probably date for some reason, right? That is definitely the vibe that I get, except she's like a little more um, designed. Like okay. she bef- definitely right. feels like I was designed to be your waifu kind of. Interesting. Character. All right. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Persona. Whatever. Whatever you say. I'm. I'm I mean, really that, interested. That's how they approach a lot of female characters, you know. Right. I'm really interested because it's like, why? Yeah, I'm in- also interested in why. <laughs> and like, also why the game like that? But yeah, I don't know. Um, I I'm interested in all the changes just because yes, you know, I liked I liked Persona Five and um, I am yeah curious about Royal. I'm curious if they remedied any of the complaints that we had when we first <laughs> reviewed it. <laughs> I, uh, I apparently like apparently there's more Akechigoro in in Royal, and I'm not sure how to feel about that because it's like, on one hand, yes, this character was a massive like just terrible Royal fuck up, and you handled him so poorly, and then he just like sacrifices himself, and it's just like, well, okay, but like, one, that's such a cliche. Two, a character shouldn't have to die to become, like, redeemable. Three, like, he wasn't well-written to begin with, so it's not like anybody was, like, sympathizing with him. Four, like, you know... uh... They also didn't give him, like, a very satisfying ending, like, the whole resolution of the game. Yeah, no, that was... They dropped him like a hot potato. So (laughs) I'm, I'm interested, because it's like, if they decide to make it so that he is better written and better handled. Yes, do I that's actually what I want. do I actually yeah. want that is my question. Like do I, I actually <laughs> want that in in the game? Like is, I want it. Is a Kechigoro a redeemable character? <laughs> and the no, answer That's fair. <laughs> the answer to that is like I don't I don't know and I'm not sure I mean, how to feel about that. Like Right. Do you, know what I mean? but you can't you can't write him out though is the thing and so that's why like for me Persona 5 was the near perfect game for me but he was the problem. And okay, so that's why enough. I want them to like just do the best they can to like remedy that and then we'll be good. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um yeah. I don't know. Like I I hope they can they can do something nice but like Yeah. It just uh I have some concerns. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll report back when I finish it. I'm sure I'll have words to say. So okay. that's that's fine. That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, cool, cool. Yeah, uh, that's nice. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Um, other than that, uh, we have been playing Final Fantasy fourteen. Right. Um, which. My free trial ended a bit ago, and so I haven't been playing it anymore after that. Because yeah. I, I feel like I've... After playing it for a month... <laughs> okay. I I have, like, solidified my feelings about it, which... Um, the pros are that it's very pretty. It is a functional game. It is uh, has lots of updates, like new events and stuff like that. It's highly supported. 
Um, lots of uh, people playing it, so it has a really active player base. Uh, I'm sh I keep getting promised that the story will be better in the DLC, but I never reached the DLC. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's that. I guess that's it. Uh, and then the cons of it are mostly quality of life issues, which I'm not even sure they would be able to like overhaul and remedy at this point. Like I think some of them they could, but some of them they are just content with making more new stuff rather than fixing the old beginner stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, one of those is that, and this is so basic is your quest markers for your, your goal endpoint, right? You know, when you, when they show on your map where you need to go, they don't show the elevation that yeah, the goal okay. is at. Yeah, Th okay. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you that this is this is a problem. The maps in Final Fantasy XIV are so vertical. Yes. It's so difficult to tell, like, yeah. where where you are in relation to anything else. Like, they really should have had at least two maps, if not, like, a 3D map, right? Yeah. Like they yeah. should show you a a vertical map. You're you're absolutely correct. Yeah, that there is, that there is are a couple of ways to to approach it. But yes, there are so many instances where you'll be circling like the base of a mountain, or you're on the wrong floor of a town, and you wouldn't even be able to really tell uh, until you've searched the entire area and not found what you needed to find. And so you go to the next level, and you're like, oh my god, there it is. So there's a lot of that. I feel like the gameplay itself is, um, I think I said this before, but it's very reminiscent of Final Fantasy Twelve, which mm -hmm. I wasn't overly fond of. Um, if only because, like, at least in this game, it feels like I'm just watching the cooldown meter for my moves versus, like, actually engaging in battle. Mm -hmm. And uh, dodging is basically just walking out of the aoe circles um and that's not very fun <laughs> i don't know so it's just not very like i i feel no need to strategize you know mm -hmm. um except for when the difficulty actually spikes which is during um some of the tougher raids i guess like mm -hmm. that time that you and I got our butts kicked over and over oh my again God. in that one that temple was, place. That was so holy shit, that was so funny. <laughs> but I, the We kept the, whole okay. We <laughs> kept we kept wiping and like I I began to realize that like it wasn't even my fault because I I assumed it was like it was not your fault. Yeah. I assumed that it was and because I always assume it's my fault. I'm like oh no that was my bad. I like didn't heal right. you at the right time. And then I realized wait our tank is like just straight up dying to the like doom yeah. doom like yeah. uh, status. Our tank didn't know the, the the mechanics for the boss, um, which which they 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 fully admitted to. Yeah, I mean, and that that's always the trouble with MMOs is is yeah. that like. Especially Final Fantasy XIV, it's a lot. It's like really reliant on your tanks actually knowing the fight, um, yes. which can make progressing through them quite difficult. Um, otherwise, luckily they they remedied that with like raid finders and stuff like that. Um, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It is an interesting dynamic that uh, the tank has to know. I mean, not just their own role, but also they have to know the dungeon layout. They have to know how the bosses function, like all of that jazz. And yeah, it, I tanks think it puts like a lot of pressure on them. <laughs> Tanks tend to be, and this is true across a lot of games. Tank, tanks tend to be in-game leaders because 
the role of a tank is to control a lot more than um, the like kind of micro bar you have. It's right. a lot more about knowing everything and how it works in relation to itself. I, and I, w I will say this. I think a lot of your problems are like, you know, legitimate concerns to have. Um, I know that they're basically in the works, you know, before the whole pandemic thing, there was <laughs> um, something in development where they were going to essentially truncate the like main story of the like base game so that it's not as terrible and grindy and boring as it is because oh. you're you're absolutely right this is a problem that most people have with final fantasy 14 um it's the reason a ton of people bounce off of it which is that the story until you get into like halfway through the post patches of like the main game mm. are not that interesting um yeah. there's like a little bit of like cool setup there's like a little bit of history there but for the most part you're just kind of playing errand boy as as you do in in most of the right. um yeah. And it's not well-written enough yet to really justify that. Like, yeah. there's nothing that interesting going on. Honestly, you could easily skip all of the dialogue, watch a five-minute recap of what happens, and then be prepared for the, the expansions. Um, right. Which is why most people just buy the skip pass. Um, I, and I, I will say this. This is a problem that all MMOs have, where early game leveling is so boring... And yeah. it's somewhat necessary to take it a little bit slowly because otherwise it's very difficult to um, learn all your cooldowns and how they work. Like, mm -hmm. this is a problem w specifically with Final Fantasy fourteen, which is that when you switch jobs, some of them start at level, like, 50. And so if you, like, one, if you're, like, okay, I've been playing, like, Conjurer up until, like, Conjurer White Mage until now, and I've decided that I want to learn how to play, uh, let's say, Dancer. Right. Well, suddenly you're a you're a level fifty class, and you have all of the cooldowns of a level fifty class, and you have to like learn them all at once. And that can be a little overwhelming if you at least didn't go through the progression of one class before. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you're completely right. It's a little bit whatever until you get to a point where your your life is actually vaguely in danger, and it's not that yeah. interesting until you get into dungeons where like you actually have to coordinate with other people. And yeah, exactly. Honestly, it takes a long time to get there, and it's completely yeah. okay to just say, like, well, I don't really want to invest that amount of time to get there. Like, if I have to... Uh, right. Like, as far as a value proposition goes, for a lot of people, like, it is not worth it for it to be like, well, it will take you 60 levels to get to where the game is fun, right? Like, people yeah. just don't have that time, and that's understandable. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's definitely the biggest thing, is the time investment that it takes for x thing to get interesting right and that's why a lot of people yeah. bounce off of like longer running series and stuff like that like like gintama for example we're, oh my it, god yeah you kind of have to go with the caveat of oh it doesn't really get interesting until episode after episode 50 like you, have, like, to, wait, you I have, have to watch 50 episodes right. first <laughs> you either have to be really invested in in getting to the point where like the story is like actually compelling or yeah. you just have to be really into the gags which is yeah. how i got through it <laughs> uh yeah so um yeah i i don't know i mean it's good to hear that they are that i mean of course they know that it's a problem that they're actually willing to maybe do something about it mm -hmm. that's very promising and that might be worth going back to the game later well uh, or recommending it to people but 
To be not right now. I mean, to be to be entirely fair to the game, it the people didn't really think that it would survive that long because the previous mm. MMO didn't really, and it's yeah. kind of a miracle that it did. And it seems yeah. like a lot of that came about in the sort of expansions where like it actually started to like really gain a lot of traction. So, a, yeah. a, a, like you just kind of. I don't know. I feel like if you want to get through Final Fantasy fourteen, you just have to treat the base game like it's different, and you kind of have to get through it, which is, like, a lot to ask of a person. Personally, I am, like, a fourth or something through the, like, post-patches, and mm. I haven't really had time to go through them uh, recently because I've been, I've been working um, on, like, freelance stuff. I had, like, a deadline, and I needed to do that instead of playing an MMO, which takes a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. And my, my subscription actually ran out, but um, I'm, I'm going to look to re-up it and, and put some more okay. time in when I, when I can. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the fun of it is, is obviously just to, to play it all together as, as a group yeah. of friends. Like, an MMO is, like, the easiest sort of base game to have that's like, okay, this is consistent. It is, oh, yeah. there's a constant sense of progression, and you're together with your friends. Let's go on an adventure, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, hopefully, yeah. hopefully, like we as a group can get to that point. Um, I know oh, we're, yeah. I know most of us are just still like quite busy. Um, like God knows, I never stop doing things. Yeah, I mean the the most fun parts that I had in the game, um, which I I figured would be the case, would were when we were getting our butts beat in the dungeons. Like, yeah, yeah, no, it's fun. They, it's fun. Yeah, no, the like. And and not in like a masochistic way, but like you know, no, it's just fun to like strategize together and be like, ah. Uh. If <laughs> like you're we're gonna wipe, being challenged, it's, you know? it's fun to wipe with your friends. <laughs> you know, it's well. I mean, that's that's kind of the feeling that you chase when you play an MMO, which is uh-huh. which is that feeling of like you know failing and overcoming something. Uh, yeah, with, you with overcome your something together, and that's a lot right. of fun. Yeah, yeah, and which is. <laughs> You know, which is which is why Log Horizon is the perfect MMORPG anime, because <laughs> it's literally about that. Uh, maybe that's the next one we try. <laughs> oh, um, I mean, it's it's not an MMO, but it is. No, it no, is no I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, it's so. It was funny because one of the times that we, uh, that that I played with some of our our frenzies was um. We ended up starting the dungeon accidentally without a tank. Oh, like, okay. We we didn't discuss which classes we were going to be beforehand, but we had a four-man party. And so we were like, okay, well, one of us is going to be the tank. And so I took healer, and then the other three picked DPS. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> oh, so my. this dungeon, which was, you know, it would have been just fine and, you know, basically... Just your your like a very average run. It would have been you know almost cakewalk with a normal party comp. Suddenly was we were wiping like three times Jeez. trying to get through. But we would have to like quit you know and and reform the party and all that if we wanted to like go in uh you know with with a proper party. And so we just decided to stick it out because it was funny <laughs> and My it was goodness. difficult and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Fair enough, um, fair so enough. So I guess that's I, yeah. one way to go hard mode. <laughs> I have I have been missing MMO times, unfortunately, because of uh, work, but I, I hope to come back to it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know if I'll be coming back to FF14 anytime soon, just because, yeah, my trial's out, and I just don't, I don't know. I got tired. <laughs> very fair, very fair. Um, but there were... I also don't really agree with the setup either that you start off in different towns and you can't really play with your friends until you reach a, like level 15 in the story quest. Yeah, it's a little obnoxious. Because the whole point is to play with your friends and do missions together. Mm-hmm. And then you, you can't. <laughs> I, I think this is actually just a, a problem I have with most MMOs, which is that like... yeah. Games like uh, Final Fantasy XIV and for a long time World of Warcraft are known for having like these like you know really compelling like nice stories, and I'm sure that I will enjoy the later bits of the Final Fantasy XIV story because it's like just evidently super anime and you know I love that. Um, yeah. But like one of the biggest issues I have with MMOs, especially like. MMOs that have um, survived the test of time is a lot of them have stories that are about how like cool and special and like single player you are when in reality that's not how you engage with the game so it's a little like incongruous in like a weird way I I honestly wish that we had an MMO that was just like I don't know man fuck it get together go on an adventure with your friends yes. like do whatever you want um and of course I understand it's a massive undertaking but like it's kind of weird to me that like MMOs didn't start in a place where you were the warrior of light the chosen one yeah. the one who will bring peace to all like it just started with like okay here's a club here's some pants go fuck around with your friends right yeah and That's I'm kind of sad I want. right like yeah you know like for a long time um games like maple story were kind of like that um but specifically like you know the roots of like mmos um like runescape was like that uh ultima online was like that you could do whatever the fuck you wanted in ultima online jesus christ um (laughs) i think everquest was like that to some extent i don't actually know what the story of everquest was but like yeah you know starting with like the modern age of mmos with like world of warcraft like it they for some reason come packed with these like epic generation-spanning adventures where you are mm. the chosen one. Just like, you know, you might be misunderstanding something here. Like, I don't actually want that from an MMO. Like, from a single-player game, sure, but, like, I don't need to share that experience with a bunch of other people. I would rather, like, focus more on, like, what an adventure is like. But, uh, I mean, that's my personal yeah. preference, I suppose. No, that's that's my preference, too, and I think that's one of the big reasons why I bounce off of MS mmos as well is because the stories all feel the same and then the mechanics all feel the same and then it and then i just question why did i pick up another mmo okay we'll <laughs> just we'll just go back and we'll play ragnarok online <laughs> oh no <laughs> i mean like th- this is this is anime. the the this is the thing though is that like the reason that that trend came to be was that people realized okay well you cannot have content that is player facing and player focused without having it be so broad to the point of um you know nothing basically uh unfortunately the reason those MMOs have stood the test of time is because people generally like more crafted experiences but i think what people don't understand is like 
the things that people like about them aren't necessarily even the stories, even though it's like a, a bonus, right? Like people like well-crafted dungeons. It doesn't have to be like, well, this yeah. dungeon is connected to the fate of the world. It's just like, okay, I want to beat up a big dragon, right? <laughs> like, right. You know, like that's cool. I would I would I be interested know. to see if there was um, at any point in the future an MMO. Like it is nearly impossible for an MMO to break into the market nowadays. Like Final Fantasy yeah. fourteen was an anomaly, and like yeah, like a handful of like you know. Asian developed um, MMOs that are like free to play that technically are still running, um, but like you know at, at what cost, right? Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. What a, what a weird what a weird place. Anyway, uh, I I mean I've honestly not been up to much. I have I've been working and playing video games and all that sort of stuff. Um, like I legitimately cannot think of the most interesting that happened to me anytime recently. Like I I sanded a, a knife handle and. Ooh. Boiled it yesterday. Like that's cool. <laughs> that is as exciting as my life gets now. It's just uh, I restored a, a wooden handle on a knife, <laughs> and I mind you, I only had to restore it because my aunt accidentally put it into the dishwasher. Oh, I have put your good knives in the dishwasher. Do not, especially if they are wooden handled. But even otherwise, don't do not. Like I have to. This is terrible. I have to. Make sure that the handle is like okay, and if it's not, I have to resand and uh, and oil it. I wish I had some like finer grits of sandpaper. But my dad gave me the one the one sheet. Like he gave me a piece. <laughs> He's like, here, use this. I'm like, okay, I, I guess I'll use this. <laughs> um, and uh, and then I have to sharpen it afterwards. So yeah, you know. But after that, I'll I'll make some delicious food and it'll be fun. Mm. All, all that all that all that jazz. But yeah, no, no, really, really nothing that interesting. Like, I wish I could say that something was interesting, but it, it really hasn't. I've been okay. I'll tell you where I've been for the last like two weeks. I have been reading okay. just a disgusting amount of manga, like just a gross oh amount. Oh my god! <laughs> I went out and I read, and we'll talk about this later. But like, we'll we'll touch on it later. But like, I read maybe. Every single villainous isekai sh- like manga that is that has been scanlated. Um, oh my god, dude! <laughs> if I if I was good at sourcing things and I was better at reading Japanese, I might have read all of them that exist. By now. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about villainous isekai because all you right, know we'll get into it, the yeah. last time I got into isekai. Um, I, I binged a bunch, and then I formulated my thoughts about it. I have some thoughts about villainous isekai, which is, I feel like, uh, a, it touches on a lot of different things um, mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, sort of regular isekai. Okay. <laughs> but that's a, that's a, good, uh, a good segue. Let's, let's talk about this yeah. season. So Yeah. The first two things are Fruits Basket Season 2. And uh, the fifth season of Shokugeki no Soma, which is the last season of Shokugeki no Soma, um, there's nothing really for us to say about that in in the sampler. Like, there's shows that we like, and we're gonna continue watching. So yeah, you know, I right. If you're watching them, you're probably it's because you already watched the previous season, and you should watch them. And you know, you know how this goes. You know how this goes. Yes, yes there are no surprises here. No surprises here. Um, but let's talk about a surprise this season, which is Tower of God or Kami no Toro. 
<laughs> so this this came about um, in an announcement a while ago from from Crunchyroll saying that they were um, essentially just licensing a bunch of stuff and like they're they're kind of acting as like a as a pseudo studio now where hmm. you know they they kind of like support and license a bunch of this stuff which is very very interesting because this is probably the single biggest contributing factor to um the growing like western sort of influence over anime um that isn't just like straight money right right like the fact that it's tau- like and and this is this is very uh, interesting cuz like you know we're getting like um original anime licensed by Crunchyroll we're getting uh adaptations of webtoons specifically Tower of God I think King of High School and I think Girls of the Wild um which is another one that I've read which is you know all right um the art is very good um I I will say this I, there was a while it was like a a time a while ago where I was reading a lot of Korean webtoons um I fell off a lot of them a lot of them are like really slow cuz they're like like here's the thing about Korean webtoons, which is that one, they're they're gorgeous, they're beautiful, they're they're all they're one hundred percent like almost all full color. I've yet mm. to see one that isn't. Um, they usually have a really high like quality uh, of art. Like there's a really kind of cool sort of unique style to them that is different than than you know Japanese manga or anime. Um, but overall, a lot of them can be quite slow pacing wise because they mm. they follow this format that's like halfway between manga and like Chinese web novels, where like manga is like pretty fast. The yes. pacing is is pretty is usually pretty tight on manga, whereas in Chinese web novels, it the pace can be fast, but they pump those suckers out. Ho- holy shit! Every time someone tells me about a Chinese web novel, I look it up and there's like 900 chapters. <laughs> and I'm like, how do you have time to write this? What are you, what? Chinese web novels are so intense. Anyway, but um, Webtoons kind of fall in between that. Um, Tower of God specifically has a lot of pacing issues. It's really slow a lot of the time. Oh. Um and I, I refer to it as the Korean Hunter Hunter because, like, the author has to just take a bunch of hiatuses because he gets, like, sick. Um, it, I mean, it, it also has a similar, like, power system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It feels a lot like Hunter yeah, Hunter, Yeah, it, it feels very Hunter Hunter inspired, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. down to their character designs and everything. I'm like, you got that from that character. You got right, that from right. that character. <laughs> I... I will say that um, I there was a time when I was reading quite a lot of Tower of God, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I'm really excited for the anime, because um, we're like four or five, maybe six episodes in at this point, and mm-hmm. um, so far it's been pretty good. Like, there are definitely points where it's a little bit slower, but on the whole, it's pretty engaging. Yeah, I would, I would say. say so. As someone who never read Tower of God, I only like heard about it because it was so you know well known. Mm-hmm. Um, the animation is very confident. Um, oh, it's good. It's I, good. I, I, yeah, it looks, it looks great. Um, I don't know if they've made any changes to the story, but at the very least, they've kept a consistent pace in the anime, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been engaging so far, and I'm looking forward to to watching more. Yeah, it's it's a Marvel production, actually. I w- I will say this because like, um, so the studio behind it is Telecom Animation Film, which doesn't do a lot of like. They don't do a ton of seasonal like shows, really. Hmm. Um, like they did, they did the animation for All Out and um, some other stuff. 
mm. but it's not like nothing like super notable, right? Um, but mm. they did the animation for the recent loop on the third films, not the 3D mm. one. Um, but like as specifically the one I'm thinking of is the Goemon one, where if you've seen that fight of of Goemon fighting a bunch of like yakuza, uh, it's a very well animated sequence, but like. It's a, I mean, a decent enough studio, and the animation looks pretty, pretty good. Like the fight animations are pretty solid. Um, there's nothing that is immediately offensive to me about them. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, it's interesting, right? Um, yeah. The music is by Kevin Penkin, who is the musician for uh, Made in Abyss and Shield Hero. And mm. if you remember the soundtrack from Made in Abyss, oh boy. I mean, mm. who would be able to forget it after listening to it if you yes. watch the show? <laughs> it's so, it's so, so, so good. Um, Kevin yeah. Pickett is a very talented musician, and I'm glad he's yeah. working on more anime projects because this is just yeah. uh, delicious, mm, tasty, so so good. Yeah, <laughs> tasty. Um, yeah, yeah. I I think the story is really good, but it it's. It's one of those stories that's like it builds, right? It is a slow roll kind of like building crescendo. Um, it, I have no idea where the like seasonal breaks will be, where the like core breaks will be. Uh, but I hope, and this is because I I realized that the last time I read Tower of God was maybe like five years ago, so I remember very little about it. Um, other than like a couple of events that happen. Mostly, I remember the characters, um, mm. but if I don't remember a character, I just remember if I like or dislike them. I'm like, oh, I like that <laughs> one. That's my favorite, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, okay. is, a fun fact is I based um, one of my first D&D characters off of Rack Wraith Razor, who is the, the himbo alligator. Nice. <laughs> he's just he's angry and he wants to fight people all the time, but he just loves yeah. chocolate. He's big. Him big. Yeah. Him big. Yeah, him um, wanna fight turtles all the time. <laughs> yes. So Yeah, that's that's Sour of God. I would I would highly recommend it. It's very unique that we get something um that is an anime that is based on a, a Korean webtoon. Um yeah. that's that's pretty impressive. Like, I mean webtoon anime themselves are not like super uh well made like they they don't they don't get made very often um the last time mm-hmm. i remember it was like real life probably and real life was the anime of real life was pretty good um it was it fixed all of the pacing issues that that webtoon had um that was a <laughs> that was a, that was a japanese webtoon though so you know it it be like that mm-hmm. um but yeah that's tower of god let's talk about the next thing which is Gleipnir. Uh, we watched like we watched an, an episode, episode maybe two. Yeah, I don't, maybe two. I, I, you know, I don't remember because I don't remember a lot of the show. <laughs> um, it. I mean, it's it is one of those shows that is like, uh, uh how do how do I put this? It's one of those shows that is, like, really, really dark and edgy and, like, explores the limits of, like, human psyche. But, like, you know, in, like, an, in like a, just, like, an edgy way, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, I heard, like... I, 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 the reason that I wasn't, I guess, 
uh, I don't remember a whole lot of it is because I remember not having very much investment at all in what was happening. Like, no, I was like, no, no. I, I didn't find any of the characters particularly likable. Um, the only reason I kept my eyeballs on it was because the animation was quite nice. Pretty good, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like everyone, everyone's mouths are a little bit too big, but otherwise, like it's a very pretty style. It um, <laughs> what what Gleipnir reminds me of is um, or rather, uh, it to me feels like one of those shows that is like you will enjoy this if you just want to see like a like trash fire train, right? <laughs> Like if you want if you want a show where it's a bunch of like garbage people treating each other like garbage. Yeah. And like it just doesn't stop like That's what it that's felt like. Probably yeah. you'll probably enjoy this. Like I I think it's 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 just one of those things that's like um you know, it's it's like uh smutty, it's like sexy, it's violent, it's gory, um people go through hell. You will know if you yeah. like that kind of thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You'll know right away from the first episode whether that is your shtick. For me personally, it was very much not like. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. Everything that happened, I I was just kind of like, whatever, dude. And then, and then it got to a point where I was able to predict exactly what was happening next, like him going to her place after she invited him, and then her immediately getting naked. I was like, she's probably gonna get naked, and that's exactly what she did. And then she's going to get off of his business, and that's what she did. And she's going to, like, kind of seduce him in this way, and that's what she did. Like, it was... Yes, yep. And then mm -hmm. they got attacked, and I was like, cool, I figured that would happen, too. And it was like, I don't... I don't, I don't I'm not here. <laughs> I can't be here for this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Just not our cup of tea, really. Yeah. Um, But I completely understand if it is because it's a very particular type of story that mm -hmm. and it's a well done version of that particular type of story so yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it looks <laughs> it looks very good yeah I'll, I'll um, say that. it's it, like i said it's really well animated and um yeah okay uh, so next we have seen yesterday for me um, okay which mm -hmm. yeah no no keep going keep going Oh, okay, uh, which is by Kei Tomei, um, whom I was familiar with and I screamed about during our trailer watch because I was like, I recognize that style. It's that author that did Lament of the Lamb, and I was right. <laughs> uh, because she has a very particular, I don't know, I guess way of drawing people, a very particular art style that I just mm -hmm. have burned into my, the back of my brain somewhere. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Because I read all seven volumes of that manga, uh, Lament of the Lamb, and this way of storytelling that she has with where it's just like very kind of methodical and then the characters are set up in such a way where you feel like the story could just go on for forever that's that kind of storytelling mm. <laughs> um but lament of the lamb was like about vampires and these two siblings who it's like, it's like they're in love with each other <laughs> Oh, it's it's like a it's it's like a uh, what's that other Nabokov novel that's like really um, really well known? Is it Ada? Huh? Um, there is um, so Vladimir Nabokov is the person who wrote Lolita, um, but he wrote another novel that's about two siblings that are in an incestual relationship. Um, I think it's yeah. They so so this work at the very least is more of like a will they won't they kind of situation, um, because they're like long lost siblings and 
uh, they're drawn to each other because of their, I guess, their bloodline, and also because the male protagonist is just now discovering that he's vampire, and so the female protagonist, who's his sister, she's been through all of this, and so she kind of, like, is there to help him, and so they, there's, like, a lot of weird issues, dark issues that they go through in the work and i just remember it going for forever and i didn't even like the ending and Mm -hmm. it's one of those works where you just kind of like hope things will work out for the best for these characters even though you're not entirely rooting for them but they're the only characters that are there so you just kind of have to (laughs) right um and yeah i get that almost exact same vibe from seeing yesterday for me because Mm -hmm. i mean it's by the same person but the story is also, it feels like it's told very similarly, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I have some thoughts about seeing yesterday for me. Yes. Tell me. Which is, I think that there is something very interesting and peculiar about uh, anime and manga about, like, um, sort of coming of age, I guess, but, like, more more of, like, what it was like. Uh, feeling-wise, to live in the late 90s, early 2000s um, in Japan as a young person, right? Because you're just kind of coming off of this this uh, economic crash following, like, you know, the biggest economic high that your country has ever seen. Um, you are a person who is, like, doesn't fit the mold of society. You know, you don't really want to be, like, a, um, a salary man. You don't want to, like, uh, fit into that structure, um, there is a lot of disillusionment surrounding, like, you know, what it means to have dreams and to follow those dreams. And, um, yeah. this is something that's felt very prominently, I think, in a lot of, um, drama stuff that came out, uh, that is about this time period, um, from this time period. Um, but yeah. it's present even in things like, um, Genshiken, if you, if you look at Genshiken, there's a lot of anxiety about what it means to leave the safe kind of comfort of school where you get to be nerd with all your friends and, like, have to adjust to a society that doesn't really care about that, right? Yeah. Um, and I think there's something to it because I think it's it. there's a lot of stuff that comes out that's very reflective of this mentality. It depicts it in a very, like, clear and raw and honest way that I think resonates with a lot of people for a lot of reasons. Um, but at the same time, I... And this is not, like, so much a critique as it is, like, kind of just, like, me making a statement about it. But it's, like, it's not very critical about it. It's just kind of, like, I'm going to put this out here. Like, this is this is the feeling. This is the mood. And other people will resonate with it or they will not. And to me, when I watch Sing Yesterday for me, you know, you have this guy who's, like, just come off of college. Um, and he is in, like, kind of a, a dead-end part-time job. He's trying to look for something that, you know, he, he wants to do, but he's not really sure what to do. Uh, his love life is not going, like, amazingly. Um, he has a lot of, like, these... He has a lot of, like, really complicated feelings um, connected to his past. Um, it's, like, this narrative about moving into adulthood um, from a point which uh, where which, like, you were already considered an adult anyway. And here's the thing, which is that, like, by all rights, like, this theoretically should be something that like demographically resonates with me as a person who has just come out of college as a person who 
is looking for a job. But it really doesn't, right? That's interesting. And I I will I will I will kind of point to a, a couple of things, which is one yeah. one the way that they seem to be navigating around it is to have a a quirky um like female lead that is yeah. like you know she talks to like she has a pet crow and yeah. she's like ah I'm so in love with you and he's like ah you're too young for me and like the whole tension yeah. is like oh will they won't they like she's too young yeah. but will will you because like you know it's it's okay because she's like a consenting adult it's like well I, mm, yeah is uh, she though <laughs> uh, right and it's like I. Uh, one, I, I've never, like, you read one John Green novel and you're kind of done with Manny, Manic Pixie Dream Girls for the rest of your life, right? And <laughs> it's kind of, like, one, I think my personal feelings of, like, well, you shouldn't have to look to another person to solve your feelings of, of like, mediocrity and um, yeah. and inadequacy, right? Like, and two... As a person who, as as a person who has notably sort of uh, critiqued the social structures we live under, a lot of it to me is just kind of like, well, you see, you feel these disillusionment feelings because society is bad, and maybe we should do something about it. But you know, it's understandable, right? Where like, uh, when like, I felt a lot like that when I was younger, actually, you know, when I was like still in high school, where I was like, well, I'm gonna like graduate college and like probably end up in a lot of debt and work a dead-end job until I die. That was kind of the mood. It was like, I was like, it, it was like just kind of angsty, like kind of um, upset at the world, disillusioned for sure. But at this point, it's just kind of like, oh, you know, this is not like, this doesn't resonate with me anymore. Um, maybe because I've gotten to a point in my life where um, even though I'm in a, in a similar situation, you know, I don't... Um, like I have enough people around me to support me to like not have to feel that way. And at the same right. time, I, I don't know, like a lot of narratives in, in the nineties kind of eventually just wrap around to like either, you know, they like he gets into a relationship and then that solves all his problems. Right. Or, you know, he makes a bunch of friends and it solves all his problems. And it's like, I don't know. The the point, I, mm -hmm. yeah. Go ahead. No, I mean it's just like the the point to me is like I'm more interested in like the portrayal of it as like a thing than, mm. or maybe maybe even less that like maybe I'm not even interested in like the way that it's portrayed. Like I just kind of don't care. <laughs> yeah, like yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. no that's that's super interesting because it's it's like you said you ought to be able to relate what he's going through because on paper. His circumstances are kind of similar to yours, where he's fresh out of school, he's looking for a job, et cetera, et cetera. Um, or he has a job, but it's not one that he wants. You know, it's not a career. Uh, and and yet there's a disconnect between you and this character, and maybe part of that has to do with the storytelling. But something about the way that this character is presented, or I I don't know. I also like thinking back on that time in my life. Um, it, I also felt a bit of a disconnect. Like some of it resonated with me, where I was like, "Yeah, that, that I felt that," <laughs> and but then most of it, I was like, "I'm not, I'm not really on the same wavelength as this dude." Yeah, yeah. And I felt like the parts where I actually resonated with him were like 
like probably the darker parts of his musings or whatever versus like his overall i don't know sense of of how he is in the situation I i'm think, not even sure why the I disconnect think, is there i think i just have like a vague repulsion to like this i have a vague repulsion to the like disillusioned early 20s male psyche i think that's what it is um like i just don't <laughs> what feel what do you mean I just don't feel any connection to that whatsoever. Um, it, you are a jaded young twenty-something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm jaded and I'm young, um, and you know, it's like all that, all that kind of stuff is is true. Um, but at the same time, it's just kind of like I also when I when I see sing from yesterday, I see it resonating with a lot of people that I like. Oh, how do I put this nicely? This is like. <laughs> No. <laughs> this is like one or two steps away from being incel bait. You know what I mean? Oh, you know, I I kind of was, yeah. So I I know what you mean in that like it felt a bit like when I don't even know how to put it's, this into words, but basically it feels like we're approaching like a really dark turn for this dude. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons for the disconnect is because maybe neither you nor I have been driven to that point, or maybe we just don't have that capability in our personality to be driven to that point of, like, being incel whatever, you know? Right. I I, I think that's probably honestly what it is. Like, the fact that it's, like, the, the sort of proximity to incel ideology is, is, like, really putting me off. I think in a lot of ways, it's because it is a it's a piece of media that says, like... This this is a man. He is disillusioned with society and you know, nothing in his life is going right for him. Like he gets to subsist, but that's not really much of like a life really. Um and he has a couple of like small things he enjoys every day. Um but on the whole, he's like pretty unhappy. And to me when when I see that, I'm like I mean, fair, right? Like, a lot of people feel yeah. that way, and, and that's a, a very, like, valid way to, to feel about a certain thing. Um, but at the same time, it's almost like it comes coupled with this expectation that they deserve something. Like, they deserve yeah, like yeah, okay. something I think better. what it is, is, right? is that there's a bit of, of privilege that you kind of yeah. sense from this dude in his anger towards the rest of the world. Right, and well... It, you're you're completely right because it is yeah. it is the the indignity of being promised yeah. something and not yeah. receiving it which like, is i i yeah. understand what they might be going for in terms of uh your expectations are are set at a certain level when you're young you know and people are like you can be anything right, you can be an astronaut you graduate school you're like you can be nothing <laughs> Yeah. More, more than likely, you will become nothing. <laughs> yeah. Society and doesn't so, value you. Right. And, and But the way that this it presents itself in this character doesn't feel like that. It, it feels more like... Uh, there, okay. It feels like he, he just puts the blame outside, but then he also, when he puts the blame on himself, it's, it's, it's purely to put himself down. Yeah, yeah, it's it is very much a like 
defeatist like like kind of doomer doomer mentality where it's just like yeah 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 well the world sucks i guess there's nothing i can do about it they said i would have a job but i I don't really care about that and it's like right right like come on you know yeah you know it's not like I'm, i'm not like i'm not saying like okay well all people in that situation should just pull themselves up by their bootstraps right it's <laughs> it's very much a different a different case of just like that versus like obviously you are a, a privileged person who has been promised something and then you have been sorely let down by society society has let these people down and that's something that you know we we have to acknowledge for a lot of, yeah. a lot of people who fall into these kind of mindsets um but at the same time it's just kind of like maybe that's not the kind of story that i want you know personally yeah I mean- right at the same time, I, I think, like, for me personally, I'm okay with that kind of commentary on society because it's true. I mean, but yeah. also, it it doesn't feel like this is the right way to tell that kind of commentary in a way that's very palatable. Because it it focuses very much on, like you said, his, his very defeatist mentality versus um, focusing on, like, on on the overall message against society. Like, the fact that he's going to maybe potentially look towards this pixie girl, pixie dream girl, right. to solve his problems, like that's that's big problem. Right? She's, okay. She's yeah. a high schooler. <laughs> she she is a dropout high schooler. Yeah. And you're a college student. And I'm. You're a person who graduated. Sure. You're like 25. Right. Right. Exactly. And maybe the conflict that they're trying to uh, show through very overt means is. You know, you can regress to when you were a child and feel comfort in that sense. You know, he could go well, back yeah. to, like, basically yeah, being yeah. a high schooler in his head. Or he can try and go after, like, the girl that's actually his age, even though she turned him down because of his, you know, he's he's not in, in the right place to basically be dating anyone right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So, yeah, I, I think it's very much like it feels like uh, he's going to try and reach for these outside influences to improve himself, but really the... The solution is that he improves himself on on, on his own strength, you know, all that. I mean, maybe it'll lead that way. But there's there's just a lot of it that's like I think it's fascinating that it does kind of lay bare the idea that at the base of a lot of um, Japanese kind of like uh, isolated man society, it's you know uh, a desire to. Uh, embody and return to a, a time when things were were okay and safe. And like this is something we've touched on before, definitely in the podcast. I know I've I've talked about this. Um, yeah. Like yeah. the appeal of high school anime, in a lot of ways, yeah. is is about getting that feeling back, about that feeling of of youth. Right. Which is exactly. Something that Japanese society puts a lot of, of focus on because it and like I don't want to solely put the blame on on this on on Japanese society, right? Because you know Japanese society is is just a reflection of of a hyper capitalist society, and in really like this is a narrative you see all the fucking time anyway, right? Like how many TV shows on American television have you watched that's just like, oh, I'm a man and I'm like listless and man, I my life sucks, bruh. It's so it's you know like yeah, he's 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 normal dude whose life sucks. <laughs> in a lot of ways, I felt like this when I was watching. Um, when I was watching uh, Aziz Ansari's uh, Master of None, but like, yeah, I feel like I feel like those kinds of shows capture the the same feeling of like 
what does it mean to be like a young disillusioned person and and to have to feel that like your your life was kind of a an infinite potential that has been sort of squandered that you that you personally squandered it when in reality like your options were always limited by your environment right it's like there's a metaphor that comes up in Master of None that's like, you know, your life is like a a tree and there's like fruit on the tree and like there's so many like great looking fruits and uh, as soon as you start reaching for one, all of the other ones start to like rot away and you just kind of like wonder about all the other ones. And it's like, personally to me, I just don't really care about that, right? Like that has, yeah. to me personally, never been um, anything compelling to me. Like the the idea of like, well, you should have like reached for reached for the stars when you were a youth. What's the worst that could happen? Well, there's so many bad things that could have happened, right? Like, yeah, it is. It is this kind of complete privileged misunderstanding of how life works that right, I just kind yeah. of don't agree with, and that's kind of what Sing Yesterday for me feels like, where it's like, ah, uh, you know, I like squandered all my opportunities, and you know, I never got to do what I wanted to do. I, my youth is gone and fleeting and terrible. It's like. I don't, I just, like, don't really care. Like, this is why I love stuff like, um, like the Tatami Galaxy, because it approaches that from the exact opposite end of the, of the spectrum. It's just like, well, this is all of the possible ways your life could have gone, uh, in college, and ultimately, they all end up at the same place. Really. Mm. And the only thing you're, you're getting is a more nuanced understanding of how it got to that place. Mm. So... I mean, as as far as like um, young man disillusioned with society, I just watch the Tommy Galaxy. Honestly, like you'll get the same <laughs> feelings, and you don't have to watch someone be angsty for like eight years, and like try go. to try to fuck a high school girl. Like, come on, oh, God. <laughs> come on! Like, I, <laughs> I hate this. I hate this. I hate this so much. I hate if you're trying to get a woman to solve all your problems, we're having issues that are deeper than, than your loneliness. Like it really is as simple as that. Yeah. Uh, like I listen, I, sh- I should put this disclaimer out there. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't have people help you in your life. Right. Because yeah. I, I think that helping people is great. And I think that it's important for people to have relationships and it's important for people to, to like foster healthy relationships so that they may help each other in times of, of need. Um, but you should not pin all of your personal development on a singular person, which is something no. that so many anime characters do to such terrible, terrible, terrible result. I mean, that's what people in real life do, and it's never yeah, and it's good. It sucks. Yeah. Like so, they sh- they shouldn't have it work out well. I don't know how this anime is going to work. I mean, the series, the manga is complete, so I don't know how it'll end. But yeah, don't. Maybe don't do that. <laughs> it's like it's like right adjacent to like student teacher relationship like uh, themes. It's like like we really just don't have to talk about this because like why are we talking about this? <laughs> you know, it's like the symbolism. Okay. <laughs> right. It's like okay, the the inherent human struggle of trying to 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 capture recapture your youth and beauty by uh, youth and beauty by youth youth <laughs> and beauty. Yeah, that's it. Um to try to recapture your youth by manipulating another person, like we don't necessarily need stories about that we one have frankly speaking enough and two it happens in real life to the to the frequency that like we shouldn't need fictional stories about it you know 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's all I actually okay. say yep. about that. Okay, yep, that is my that is my rant about Sing Yesterday for me. There you go. <laughs> if you like this series, Godspeed. Like, that is that is your your sort of taste, yeah, and I mean, I'm not going to begrieve you for that. Clearly, it was popular that. back then, and only ended, like, five years ago. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is not my cup of tea for many reasons that I've just stated. Yeah, it's not really mine either, but that's okay. Yep. Kind of just done with disillusioned dudes. <laughs> I think, like, dude disillusionment is, like, not that interesting anymore. Like, we have had a, quite a lot of it at this point. Yeah. We're, we're well full I, up on it. I think that's it. what it is. is right? There's a bit of an oversaturation. I, I've, and this is, this is talking about the, the villainous thing, but, like, I was reading a manga recently, um, which was about, um, a, it was actually a Korean webtoon about a, uh, a one of these isekai like um, reincarnated as a villainous setups um, and she's just like ah fuck it I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want I'm gonna fuck shit mm-hmm. up <laughs> and that's the kind of disillusionment I'm here for I'm here for angry disillusionment I'm here for disillusionment that leads to like things happening right like maybe that's my maybe that's my like base um, kind of gripe with sitting yesterday for me it's disillusionment to the point of listlessness nothing happens that's yeah. the point no I, I completely agree yeah and I get it. Like, I get it. That's that's how depression is like, right? Like, you sit there for an entire afternoon, and you watch as the sun goes by, and you don't even turn the lights on. You just lie in bed, and you're like, uh... I get it. But we kind of have a lot of those stories now. Give me give me angry disillusionment. Just, you know, <laughs> don't don't write it into insult territory. Don't, don't be like, ah, all women have wronged me. They are all incorrect. <laughs> that's too far. <laughs> Don't, take it back. Take it back. Reel that's, it back. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, angry disillusionment. Oh, wait. <laughs> Listen, you, you want to cover your bases. All right, let's talk about my next life as a villainous. All roots lead to doom or Hamefura for short. Uh, I don't re- remember the entire. It's like Hamatsu flag. It's or, long. Yeah. Um, this this is one of many villainous isekais, which is, and I, I suppose we should finally explain this. Um in otome games which are um romance visual novels primarily aimed towards uh women as a demographic um it is essentially a dating novel game where you are a a, a lady and you date a lot of hot men maybe one at a time maybe all at once you know it's up to you um and in these uh there is a quite popular trope uh, a number of I'm going to say decades ago at this point. Um, I don't know how many of these things come out with like this setup really anymore. Um, the villainous Isek, I think, might have ruined it forever. But uh, it the setup is that um, there is a, a character that is inevitably betrothed to a, a powerful figure. Because um, you're, you're going to fantasy magic school, but the European nobility still exists as a thing. Um, except it's like the Japanese idea of the European nobility. It's a whole thing. Um but you have a, a powerful lady who is betrothed and madly in love with one of the princes, definitely, who are capture targets. You're allowed to romance them. And inevitably, when, when you do that, um, that character will be like, hey, that's not cool, and harass you, right? It's like a harassment, bullying thing. It's a very common thing in, in Otome games because it's like, you know, it's the bread and butter, really, you know? It's like having goblins in a fantasy story. And... Basically, it always comes down to um, a confrontation at a, a big sort of party celebration event where you denounce the villainess for her, all her sins, 
um, whether they be, you know, uh, crimes or not. And she either gets executed on the spot, which is fucking wild. Um, she gets yeah. exiled. Uh, she gets uh, jailed and then executed later. Um, and then uh, more or less her family also falls to ruin. That, that's the kind of setup we're talking about. Except um, in these Otome uh, isekais, the person who is getting isekai'd or reincarnated in another world is is inhabiting the body of the villainous. So the character who kind of treats other people very harshly, has a very haughty attitude, very oh-ho-ho, um, mm-hmm. like very like, uh, what are you doing, peasant, sort of um, yeah. uh, vibe. And the navigation is how do I avoid getting exiled and or executed and or killed randomly, right? Because yeah. um, the setup is always that all the all the flags, right, uh, lead to destruction. Yeah. And Hamefura takes a very interesting approach to it. I think it, like this is one of the like things that really popularized the genre. It's it's quite popular. Like, obviously, it's one of the first ones to be animated into an anime, which is fair. Yeah. Um, because what she's gonna do is she's just gonna dismantle the flags one by one by treating people just very nicely. <laughs> it's this this an- okay. The way that this anime presents itself is is very typical of an otome, and yet when you're first watching the first episode, you kind of at least for me, I wasn't very sure whether I would end up liking the story. I was like, okay, I guess I kind of get the setup, like. Uh, you know, animation's okay, like, I don't know. Uh, and then, as the story develops, you get this precious, wholesome interaction between her and her new stepbrother. And, or, I guess, adopted brother. Um, and then, everything after that is just her being extremely wholesome to everyone. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point that you get a very strong sense that everyone, man, woman, like all all these people that she's interacting with, they're all falling in love with her. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's the it's the most amusing and best thing about this anime, and I'm actually here for it. Like I I look forward to this anime every week because it's so funny and really really like heartfelt and very. It, I don't know. I just <laughs> it's a very fun kind of romp through the um through the the genre in like a playful parody sort of way. Exactly. And and it's nice that the 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 main character, she's very, you know, outgoing, very outspoken, but she's also very much like a flawed human being to the point that her flaws are are made fun of throughout the show in a, you know, in a, in a nice way, right? Like she is horrible with magic in this world. And so the way that her magic she manages to use her magic ends up being pretty funny because mm-hmm. all she can do is like make a tiny little bump of earth. <laughs> yeah, and then she just uses it to trip people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or she's very very unladylike in the way that she tried to approach her uh death flag avoidance and so her mom gets on her case all the time. <laughs> right, cuz it's like how dare you? You're a noble lady. Stop farming. Yeah. Yeah, stop farming. <laughs> I, I will say that uh, Hamefura is very popular for a reason. It's very lighthearted. It is yeah. uh, very funny. It's actually just really funny. Um, yeah. It's, it's really heartfelt, too, is the thing. Yeah. And, like, yeah. 
I think one of the most interesting things that it does um, is indicative of quite a lot of the genre, but um, it's it's kind of it's amusing to me because it's like quite a lot of the genre is is occupied by people who are like, okay, what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna be really nice to people. So like, one, it differs from standard isekai because the person getting reincarnated is not the main character, right? Um, yeah. Or is not the main character of the thing that they're they're reincarnating into. Two, right. they have knowledge of what they're reincarnating into. They have knowledge of future events, um, and all they're trying to do is is avoid them. Um, three, they're reincarnating into a person that already exists in a world, right? Yeah. So what what they're doing is they're um, and some some grapple with this more than others, but like um. They're essentially either becoming a a person that exists in the world, or they're kind of having to occupy that space in in the world, right? They're like, okay, I'm suddenly Katarina, and I have to be Katarina. Yeah. Um, and for the problem solving is so different. Like the style of problem solving is so different because, um, here's the thing about isekai, right? A lot of isekai removes the element of um, danger to the main character by by giving him cheat skills, by giving him immense power. Yeah, right? yeah. But what you're doing there, and this is something that is like kind of comes up in in uh, game design a lot, which is the tools that you are given to interact with the world affect how you see that world. If every, if you have a hammer, every everything out there is a nail, right? Yeah, and. So that's like kind of kind of this like approach where in a normal isekai the way you solve problems is with an overwhelming show of power, right? Yeah. And I think for shows that like think about that and deal with it, I think it's interesting. Like um ReZero where the character has uh, a lack of power entirely. Um yeah. Overlord where the power yeah. and control is the point. Um yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, but you know, all in all, like problems are solved by doing violence better. And then in isekai, like villainous isekai, there are essentially two or three problem solving tools, which is, um, one, having knowledge of future events, right? You know, what's going to come and you're trying to negotiate around that Two, empathy. Like if you just treat people not like garbage, maybe they won't exile you. That's a funny thought. Um, and then <laughs> and then yeah. three, which is politics. Like, weirdly, Is- villainous isekai has... Um, some of them are really detailed about, like, the court politics. And that is, sh- like, hmm. displayed as... Um, or that is um, kind of, like, viewed as a way to solve problems. And mm-hmm. that- that's kind of fascinating to me. Um, yeah. Um, I have a lot more thoughts about Villainous Isekai. If I went on, we would be here for two hours. Um, so I'm going to try to keep it as, as short as possible. Um, I really yeah. like Kamifura. Um, yeah. The, the animation is solidly okay. Right. It's nothing yeah, special. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It but fine. it's as okay as it needs to be. Yeah. It's, it's not the point yeah. of the, the show. It's it's mostly right. just watch a bunch of characters being you know cute with each other. It's so charming. It I is very charming. It, it, it's yeah. very heartfelt. Um, yeah. And... There is something interesting to me about Villainous Isekai that I will touch on before we move on, which is 
that villainous isekai to me feels a similar but vaguely different and kind of historically relevant niche, which is isekai exist oftentimes to give interiority to a world that otherwise does not have any. Um, or is assumed it's not have any. That's kind of the colonial model, right? It's like, okay, um, these people here don't think about anything. They don't have, like, knowledge of, of what it means to be or whatever. We've been over this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of times it's like, uh, I want to go to this Dragon Quest-like world, except I want the, the NPCs to, like, I want to interact with the NPCs, quote-unquote, like like they're real people. Like, I want them to, to respond to me in, in a way that's like, like talking to a real person. I have some thoughts about that. Gonna put a pin in it. Um, <laughs> but the thing about um, Villainous Isekai is it gives a different side of a, a story that we already know. And it, it is assuming that we kind of know the touchstone of Otome games, um, which, you know, it's, it's marketed towards people that would, right? Um, and even if you if they don't, they you get it, right? It's not that hard to understand. Um, mm-hmm. And it essentially shows the side of a character who is otherwise unsympathizable, right? Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because it, to me, is a lot like the thing that people do with fan fiction, which is write interiority to characters that otherwise don't get, you know, do right. justice yeah, by the canon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So if if you're like, well, I really care about this one character um, who doesn't get a lot of screen time, who is just like a villain... I will write a 50,000-word fanfiction about them and their life and how they interact with certain certain people in certain ways, right? Um, that kind of interiority is really important to fan culture, which is, at least in the West, a, a, a traditionally female-coded thing. It's not necessarily the case in Japan because doujinshi is such a, a big thing over there, um, which is enjoyed by people all across the spectrum. Um, but there is something to the idea of why this is so compelling, which is, um, and this is something I personally really love, right? I love whenever a story is like, we will show you the perspective of, of a character in in a piece of media that normally you don't get to see the side of. I love, uh, I love media from the point of view of like side characters, of like uh, spurned villain characters, villain characters. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of stuff. That's why I love yeah. Overlord, right? That's yeah. um. I read a, a an anthology years ago. I, I cannot remember what it's called for the life of me, and I'm so upset that I don't remember what it's called. Um, it was an anthology of uh, shoujo short stories about the the girl who is, I mean, kind of like the villainous, right? Like the, like, um, obstruction character in, in a shoujo manga who's like, hey, you can't have X handsome boy. We I love him. I loved him first, right? Yeah. You know, it shows it from that perspective or the perspective of the person who is being broken up with so that the the guy can get with someone else, right? Yeah. And I think that kind of stuff is I mean, I love that stuff, right? Like I yeah. I love I love 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 stories from that kind of perspective. Um mm-hmm. And that's why I think I I resonated so hard with Villainous Isekai. Um is I'm really interested in in giving interiority and um uh, justice and and a perspective to characters we otherwise don't get to to sympathize with. Um, so I think that's really cool. Yeah. I'm I'm generally on board with that kind of stuff too. Like, I remember the bit from Gekkan Shoujo Nozaki Kun where yes, they oh, have the yes, <laughs> the best friend. <laughs> exactly, that is exactly. Oh my it. god, I'm here. <laughs> I'm right? here for this. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Like, that kind of fan culture yeah, is, exactly. is really present in, in Villainous Isekai, even more so than it is in, in normal Isekai. Because um, normal yeah. Isekai is just like, I want to inhabit fantasy world. What would it be like if you lived in a fantasy world? Uh, Villainous Isekai right. is like, like, what does it mean to have a relationship with people? And you're like, oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um... I will I will link like two or three villainous isekai um, <laughs> manga in in the the link dump. So feel free to check them out if you're if you're interested in in that. Um, I would love to do an entire episode about this. Uh, I guess I have some reading to do. <laughs> I'll send you some stuff. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. I mean, the anime is good. Yeah. The manga is good. Like. Very yeah. well worth watching. Um, I'm having to hold myself back from reading ahead. Uh, well, it's too late for me because I, I read ahead before we were. Yeah, even you already know. Anime. But I think when when the anime finishes, I'll probably just zoom ahead and in the manga. <laughs> but very good, for now, very I'm holding back so that the anime can stay fresh for me. Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the next thing, which is BNA brand new animal, which is the new trigger show. Yeah. Um, My God! Needless to say, it's gorgeous. Oh, holy uh, shit! Uh, your eyeballs will fall out your dang skull from looking at the color palettes from just from the first episode because they're really, really gorgeous. I uh, wow, we and then you get into the story and you're like, oh, this is charming. <laughs> this really might be the prettiest thing that Trigger has put out series wise. Probably period, honestly. I would I would just say like I it's mean, probably the prettiest thing they put out. I, I I think I I yeah, you know you know what? I would be inclined to agree with that. Um because despite how pretty stuff like, you know, Kill a Kill and Little Witch Academia and and all of their, you know, really well known series are, this one really takes the cake in the visuals. Like they there went is, above and beyond. Right. There is a grounded it's a very grounded sense of um uh how do I say this? Like BNA is is very is vastly different to a lot of what Trigger has put out. Um yes. and it it's definitely over the top. Like there's my God, like we've watched the baseball episode. Like Jesus Oh my um, god, the baseball episode is brilliant. <laughs> it's really over the top in in the way that Trigger does. Like they love to have have fun with their series. Um, but it's yeah. it's a very different vibe than Kill a Kill or yeah. um, uh, Little Witch Academia, which are like really, really, really bright and like um, you know, movement focused. Um, yeah, there is a very grounded sense to BNA. Um, and it might be because of the setting and the story and how that plays. It might be because of the very deliberate choices they've made with the color palettes for a lot of the scenes. A lot of them are kind of non-standard color palettes, um, which are very, very pleasing to look at. Um, you get a lot of night shots. You get a lot of, like, sunset, sunrise shots. Um, it is it is a gorgeous, gorgeous anime. And it is... Um, I, think the, I think the director is Yo-Yo Shinari, who is, like, the the guy who makes all the stuff that moves really fluidly, like the Little Witch Academia, like you know sakuga mm. shots or whatever um but it, it this as far as like my is is there a studio you know aside from like ufo table that really puts out stuff that is like as consistently mind eye gorgingly beautiful to watch 
from an, a pure animation standpoint as, as Studio Chicker? Because I, I don't think so. Um, I would argue KyoAni, but that's because they're a completely different style. Right. Like Kyo, they, the Kyo level Ani of quality is, like... is, is like, they're, they're right on par with each other, but the styles are so completely different that it's hard to compare them. I, yeah. You, no, you're right. You're right. KyoAni is yeah. like... Is like the the sort of beautiful, um, s- super elegant like painting. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right, it's like a painting in motion. It's it's like watching a film. Yes. Um, right, exactly. Whereas uh, BNA um, and other stuff that Trigger makes is, I mean, it is like it is action incarnate, right? Yeah, it's bombastic. It's in your face. They uh, they just yeah. they're so willing to twist and play with the forms that it is. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, like Studio Trigger's fucking knocking it out of the park. Like they, yeah, just, I'm it's really so really good. happy for them. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but even even beyond that, like um the the ending sequence and and, and I learned this the other day. Um, because mm. Studio Trigger did a uh, Twitch live stream where they were essentially running a Q&A panel type thing with their concept artist, who I learned is from the West Coast. Um, I'll link her Twitter. And it's fascinating because um, it feels like a lot of the the sensibilities of it do. And th- this is actually pretty consistent for, like, Trigger Gynax, which is that Trigger Gynax is one of the studios that has, b- like, by far the most willingness to be influenced by other forms of animation um mm. like stuff like panty and stalking and stuff like uh bna takes so much from western animation yes like they're just very willing to like pick and choose what they like and like incorporate it into their own work um yeah and very few other studios are are really willing to do that which i think is is interesting um BNA yeah. looks so good. It looks so good in motion. It is a joy to watch. Like, yeah. if you watch it for nothing but the animation, <laughs> yeah. it will have been worth it. Even though there's yeah. so much more to it. Because a lot of times, and this is a, uh-huh. a complaint we've had about Trigger in the past, which is sometimes they put out a show and it looks great. It looks awesome. Yeah. Um, but there's just not a lot of substance to it. Whereas BNA's primo. It's primo. I feel substance. like it. Yeah, it. It definitely. They've. They've been able to strike a balance between the story and the animation, which is great. Yeah, yeah. Um. So it is about a girl who is cursed to become a um quote unquote beast person, so like a furry, um, and then she has to go live <laughs> in the furry town where all the furries live because humans don't like furries, and. <laughs> It is interesting to me because that is a story that could easily have been not amazing given Japan's track record with stories like that. Yeah. But it's actually really good. And it says some shockingly insightful things about discrimination and not in the way that's like oh it's bad to discriminate against people you shouldn't you shouldn't treat people differently just because you're they look different or they have like you know a different race or whatever um there is some legitimate nuance to the way that um the discrimination is handled in bna that has really been impressive to me like that there's an episode um i think it's episode like three or four where she goes and sneaks out back to um, the like back to Tokyo with um, 
uh, Nina, who is like the the like dolphin um, girl. And when they go to this party and they discover that um, she's like a, a dolphin person, they they're like, "Wow, it's so brave that you're here with us. It's so great that you're you're willing to to be here." And like, meanwhile, they're at a costume party where they're supposed to be dressed like quote unquote beast men, right? Yeah. So like, one woof, like holy shit! All right, this setup already. And then two, you become so increasingly uncomfortable because they're just like, you're so, yes, you're you so brave for being you, a you beast man. something is off immediately, yeah. And and then they're, they're like, well, let's just keep you in a tank of water. There's no air there, even though, one, I feel like people should know how dolphins work. But two, you know, it's just like, ah, but she loves the water. She's a beast person. Like, you know, and it's like, well, it's obviously hurting her. What the fuck are you doing? And my God, yeah. I was like, Oh, I've like been in this of, situation. Um, right, the amount of loaded social commentary that they were able to pack in that one episode was amazing. And it's like, it's not just like, oh, you shouldn't discriminate against people. It's like it actually shows the nature of that discrimination. It says like, yes, people will not openly treat you in a hostile way, but they can still be shitty towards you despite that. Yeah. Right, they can be patronizing. They can be misunderstanding. They can refuse yep. to listen yep. to you because they assume that they know more about you than you do. Yes, because of the way you look or because of your background, right? And it's yeah. like, okay, trigger. So we've moved on <laughs> I from wasn't ready for this. <laughs> yeah, we've moved on from from Promare, which is about the 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 kind of social systems that bring rise to eco fascism. And now we're here talking about tokenism. All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> I I don't know what happened to Studio Trigger, but <laughs> I, I am <laughs> so on board with it. I don't know, man. They're having a renaissance. <laughs> yeah, they, my, they're putting out some of their best work right now, and it's it's yes. kind of incredible to see. Like, Biene has so much substance to it. And here's the thing. Which is, I think about this a lot, um, where there is a quote from um, some of the people who are working on Zootopia when that movie was coming out, where they were like, yeah. you know, we, we initially had this, like, setup where, like, the carnivores were had, had to wear, like, shock collars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we realized that we don't want to live in that world. Like, we didn't yeah. want to live in that world. And to me, that was kind of like a slap in the face, really. Like... I, I understand why you wouldn't want to put shock colors in a yeah. movie for children. But, like, yeah. when you say, I don't want to live in that world, it, too fucking bad. We already do. <laughs> right? Like. it Yeah. It, there's, a, there's an interesting uh, contradiction between the fact that they're trying to show something that is very real to life in terms of, like, like the metaphor, the parallel, whatever, about discrimination in real life versus how it is in this movie. And they're trying to show like a softer, more palatable, palatable version of it, right? But at the same time, it's like, but are you taking away from the message by doing that? Like, yes, it has to be marketable towards kids, uh, but still, are you are you affecting the message by how you're trying to treat it towards kids? Right. And and yeah, I think that's the kind of thing that that BNA just like doesn't care about. To its benefit, really. Like, I mean, I, I a kid could watch that episode with the dolphin girl, and it would be fine. At least, 
from what I remember, I don't think there was really much anything graphic about no, it. No, of course not. Yeah, and and so there's ways of showing that kind of conflict to children if you're just very smart about it and you you're very aware of what you're portraying. And yeah, I I think Trigger definitely at least with that episode and you've only watched like half the anime, but from what we've seen have hit it home. I want to I want to say arguably better than Zootopia did in oh, terms definitely. of the discrimination no, topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can argue about the animation whatever and the quality of the story like they're they're both great works. What? Um, but in terms of that specific nuanced discrimination topic, like they they really got it. What what I will say is that I think children tend to be more receptive and able to handle like darker things than people give them credit for. Obviously, we're not going to show mm-hmm. them like you know super super gore where like someone's arm gets torn off and like you know they like really zoom in on it and stuff right but like oh, yeah no that, that makes it too graphic but yeah <laughs> i think i think kids are more receptive to like these, these these ideas and are are better at understanding and absorbing them than people give them credit for um that all that being said um bna is just it, it's handling it very well and it's doing it in a way that doesn't really compromise the like uh the nature of like here's the thing which is that like the the kind of ba- like base problem I have is like uh with that kind of like Zootopia statement of like oh I wouldn't want to live in this world it's I like I I kind of do want to live in the BNA world well one because it's it's mostly just our world reflected um <laughs> but it's like really charming and it's fleshed out in a way that's very very satisfying where you have um you have all of this kind of stuff going on and the cities feel so layered and complex and nuanced, which is not something that necessarily exists in a lot of other trigger works. Even, like, Kill a Kill doesn't really have that that sense. It's it's very, like, um, it's very, like, two-dimensional, I would say. Like, mm-hmm. like there's a hierarchy to the, the way the city is laid out, but it doesn't... There's no real, like... Um, it's not about that, I guess, is, is what I want to say. Um, but BNA is, and it's about the people who live there and the way that they kind of just, like, take every day. And in the first episode, she's getting hunted by people who are, like, really just willing to kill her, right? And yeah. And then later she's in, in Anima City, and she realizes that, like, she still doesn't really, like, fit in here, right? Like, she she, she wasn't born a beast man. She was cursed to be one. And, right. um, but to me that kind of exists as like a, um, an interesting metaphor for like mixed race couples in societies that like don't necessarily oh, interesting. acknowledge yeah. that because especially in like, I, I will say like, you know, somewhat in, somewhat in America, this is like a thing that happens, right. Where like you're suddenly becoming aware of like, um, your status as a mixed race person. Um, but this is especially true in japan like this is so big in japan like there is there's an entire term for people who are half japanese and and have something else or like mixed race children in general and they're they're called hafu right and it's not it's not a very flattering term either um but like this idea that you're suddenly made aware of of discrimination but at the same time because of your own experiences you can't comfortably fit in either side right you know, she doesn't necessarily fit in in Anima City where um, all the, like, the people just have different sensibilities. Like, they just, they have lived for the last 10 years in, in, a, in a different way than she has as a, as a human. And she doesn't really understand, um, t- 
to begin with, um, I think uh, as as it goes, they they begin to understand each other more. But like, um, this idea of like her mentality is so at odds with Shiro's mentality. Shiro's mentality is like all humans bad, right? It's like yeah, it's understandable why why you would feel that way, right? And and hers is like, well, I was a human once, and I'm a beast man. I don't still quite understand the beast men and like what what the culture is like here um because uh she's like well why don't we just like stay in our beast forms all the time you know and that kind of stuff right it's like it's just it's just like it understands and is willing to tackle these these complex issues in a way that isn't reductive which i think is really interesting like there's a lot of nuance to it yeah 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 very charming and i will say that the the opening ending God tier. The ending is so 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 good. The ending is directed yes. by by um the uh um Genis Genis who is the concept artist um and it looks very good. It nice. looks it looks a lot like um the kind of like cutout like paper cutout animation that was popular in like I want to say like er like late two thousands early twenty mm-hmm. tens uh, Western animation um. It looks very good. It's so. Oh, you know what? Yeah, it's like it looks like stuff like Samurai Jack, right? Like that cutout stuff. Um. But the color palettes on it are gorgeous, and the song is so good. And I don't know. Yeah. Just watch the opening and ending, and like, just bask in that for a little bit. Like, <laughs> they're so good. They're just so unequivocally good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's talk about the next thing. So the next thing is Kakushikoto or uh, Secret Things. Um, and it's it's essentially Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, but it, it I think in a more slightly more lighthearted tone, obviously, it's it's about uh a father who draws a very I guess like etchy or uh I don't know. I don't know how to. You it's know, you it's like it, a. It, it's like he draws Gintama, right? Yeah, but even more, I think, even more focused on like the dick jokes and all that. Yes, um, Gintama with more dick jokes. Yeah, uh, and he's trying to hide this fact from his daughter, who is steadily getting older and, you know, is able to read and all that, and he really is mortified at the fact that she may one day find out that he authored something like this um so that's that's basically the running gag situation that that prevails throughout this series um and it's interesting it's pretty charming in its own way mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. uh i think the humor is, is is pretty cute you know all the different convoluted ways in which he tries to avoid his daughter finding out about his work <laughs> mm-hmm. um there is like there was the one character that was voiced by the same voice actor who does Hisoka and and those characters who like was made the butt of a joke and he's I guess they're kind of like the mama-san of yeah uh, uh costume shop and then uh the kids see this character and then they treat the character like a monster and it's just like yeah, I don't know about not that good. part, but nope. that's also not the main focus of the work, so I don't know if it's if it's really worth mentioning. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It, like it is definitely it, like an it. off-putting aspect of it. 
Yeah. You just kind of you just kind of hope for better. Um, yeah. Right. No, exactly. I, yeah. I I, I generally agree. It feels a lot like Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei, but a little lighter. You know, it's yeah. It's about a, a father daughter relationship. It's. I mean, it's pretty cute. It's relatively you know all right. Um, if you if you kind of like that sort of thing, um, I think I. I almost prefer the, like, darker tone of Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei, I think. Um, I think it just fits the, like, dissonance a little better. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think I, it's, it's cute. It's definitely a different direction for this author, but, you know, I don't think it's bad. Like, I would um, I would say it's, like, worth worth taking a look at. Um, right, yeah. Watching an episode of, of, of Maybe. Like, you know, it's generally kind of funny. I would say. Right. Like, generally vaguely funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because it's about, like, a dad who's just, like, embarrassed about what he does and trying to look good for his daughter, which is... Yeah. You know. There are worse setups out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do enjoy the setup quite a bit. Um, I do think it's adorable. And they're, the way that they show their relationship is very wholesome. So mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. that, too. <laughs> um, okay. Well, if we yeah. have nothing else to say about that... Let's talk about Fugo KG Balance <laughs> Unlimited. <laughs> I don't understand what this show is. What what's wrong? What don't you understand? <laughs> I just don't understand. Um, having done our Sherlock episode, this is very different to Holmesian mystery type shows. This, you know, mm-hmm. in spite of the fact that it brands itself as, you know, it, it's a, it's a cagey, sh- it's, it's, it's about being a detective. Uh, it's not very focused on the mystery to me. It's very much focused on the action. Yeah. The mystery of, uh, is so secondary that I forget yeah. that sometimes there is a mystery to be solved. Like they're supposed exactly. to be detectives. Right, and, and, and that's what it feels like a lot of mystery shows are nowadays. They try to strike a balance between the mystery and the action. And what tends to happen is if you focus too much on the mystery, then people get bored or they're like, oh no, I'm too stupid to think about this. I don't want to think about this anymore. They tune out. Uh, and the other side of it is that it's too action-y and then you're like, I thought it was a mystery show. It's just an action show. This one is very much an action show. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it very directly references a lot of properties that are very action focused, like James Bond and Batman. Right. <laughs> Imagine if you rolled James Bond, Iron Man, and a Batman into one yes, character. Iron Man as well. And right. then you gave him like a, a sort of like asshole smarm shine, and then you sent him into this world. That's what it's yeah. like watching Fugo Keiji. Yeah. Um, that being said, it's very entertaining as a result, and it's well animated, and, uh, we're having a blast watching it. I'm, I feel bad that it's delayed. Um, I think it's funny that people on Twitter will have to thirst a little longer I, <laughs> to watch to see him I, again. <laughs> nothing in my brain can even <laughs> begin to comprehend how people are horny for this guy. I don't get it. He's not... He Okay, one, I know it's anime. I know it's subjective. He's not hot. Two... 
he is the the epitome <sighs> of somebody who uses money to solve all his problems. Yeah. Three. At the end of every episode, they show how much money he spent to solve his problems. <laughs> he does not give a shit about anything or anyone. He just wants to be a detective, kind of, for some reason, I guess. Four? Yeah. How are people horny for him? I don't understand it. <laughs> maybe, this is, maybe this is the point at which sugar daddy culture has gone on for too long. This is this is where we're at, yeah. This is the logical conclusion. <laughs> we need to shut it down. <laughs> this is Twitter sugar daddy culture. I don't I don't I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. Well, that's because you're not part of that culture, Susie. Therefore, I guess you know. not. <laughs> like I, I ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> It's all right. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, we'll, um, uh, so we'll, we'll resume the show whenever it picks back up. I guess. Yeah, it's currently on hiatus because of the pandemic. Um, yeah. Interestingly, uh, this okay. So this series, this show, is based on a novel by uh, Yasutaka Sitsui, who is a really famous Japanese novelist. He wrote the original novels for um, the Girl Who Left Through Time and Paprika. Mm-hmm. And also Fugo Keiji, obviously. So, like, that's, like, three different things that has a, uh, have been adapted into relatively well-regarded anime. Obviously, I would argue yeah. that um, Satoshi Kon's work on, on Paprika is what makes it so, so good. But I'm sure the original novel is pretty good, too. Um, mm. And it's interesting to me because I don't really get what the point of this show is other than to be a spectacle and that's fine right it's it's perfectly fine if it's like a, just a nothing sort of popcorn show um but i don't really get why any other characters exist then except to be exasperated right and if that <laughs> exasperation is necessary to the functioning of of the narrative in any satisfying way like obviously i get like okay this is probably the viewpoint character are like our sort of um exhausted watson kind of character is yes. is here because he was most likely the viewpoint character of the novel um but like what what exactly are we getting out of fugo keiji as as a as a narrative and why right like he solves all his problems with money and two episodes in we've yet to see any indication that that's not how you solve problems like the main character's like hey like knock that shit off like i work hard because i i have like a strong sense of justice or whatever but obviously it doesn't work none of this shit works you just throw money at the problem and it fixes everything like he's like a, he's got so much well, money yeah, I think you're experiencing the frustration that our Watson character <laughs> experienced. But like, what, what, what exactly? I'm not sure what the point is. Is the point like, because it's fine if it's like a pure spectacle thing. But like, there's there there's something to be read into about how or why this exists. And like, if if by the end of the show, our millionaire detective is like. You know what? You're right, exasperated Watson. Maybe I can't solve all my problems with money, 
maybe I can't just pay <laughs> off everybody. It's like, cool. But, like, the show tallies up how much money he spends <laughs> at the end of every episode like it's like it's part of the show, right? Like it's uh, yeah. supposed to be a cool kind of fun thing that they're doing. Yeah. So if it's... the point of the show, if the point of the narrative is to say, you can't solve all your problems with money. It is doing a piss poor job. You know, I I'm very interested in seeing where they go with that and what their message is towards the end. Because you kind of get the sense that uh, obviously uh, he and the Watson character are supposed to kind of learn from each other. Where the Watson character has a very earnest way of approaching the cases that you know works around needing to have money versus you know money, um, and so. Uh, the Watson character is also kind of like learning like, well, not everything can be obtained at least in a timely manner through my old fashioned ways. Like I should, I should open up to, to being, you know, I should just be more open-minded and that that kind of stuff. If it means that I get to catch the bad guy. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so there, there is a certain tension there about like the ethicality about all of this and what is the quote unquote right way of solving who, these cases. Who cares about so ethics I'm, when you have yeah. money? I know. I, I, and I feel like a lot of it is just spectacle, but I'm hoping that it will build towards something because of that tension. So, and there's also a lot that we don't know about, you know, the main guy's motives. Like, why does he want to be the detective? He hasn't explained as much and so on and so forth. We just learned that he has a sister, so. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. I think there's a lot of stuff for us to hopefully learn and get out of the story. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that it'll lead somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere that doesn't just involve quenching Twitter's thirst. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't really, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. Like, here's, here's, okay, here's the thing. Like, on the Wikipedia page, it will it will tell you how much cost is incurred in each episode. In the first episode, it costs one billion three hundred sixty nine million eight hundred thousand yen, which you know uh, is uh, ah, shoot, what's it? Um, I'm so bad at math. Uh, it is. It's about like ten million dollars ish. I think like, you maybe like twenty million. I think it's a hundred million. No, 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 no. Ten, yeah, ten. Uh, yeah. ten like thirteen million, about thirteen yeah. million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Why? In in the <laughs> second episode, he incurs eighty three billion yen. <laughs> But it's it's the title of hundred thirty million dollars is unlimited. <laughs> this is you know what this is. This is like if you let Elon Musk be a detective. This is how he would solve all his problems. <laughs> he would not pay his workers. He would cut their cut their like wages. He would not give them overtime. No unions. Also, that he could play detective. Which, to be fair, he kind of does already, <laughs> mind you. Um, but why? Like, I just don't... It baffles me. Yeah. This this baffles me. Like, yeah. he spends... 
that's the real mystery in this show. He why. spends an order of magnitude, almost two, <laughs> like more money. The fictional premise of this show is destroying me. I, I know I'm not usually one to, like, rattle on about, like, realism in shows because, like, I think it's kind of trait. But, like, this is off. This is just this offends me on a deep visceral level. <laughs> I... Ah, whatever. I'm done. I'm done with, I'm done with Fugo KG. It's, it's a fun watch, honestly. Um, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, it breaks my brain, but it's a fun watch. Uh, the animation is, is good. It's fun. Um, I guess if you're into that kind of thing, uh, they play like this, like jazzy, like Fugo KG yeah. kind of like, um, like theme song, which is, uh, also very okay, interesting. Let's talk about the music very briefly. It is off the charts in the first episode. Oh my like, god. It's They're doing such ordinary things, but the music is like bah, 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 bah. like it's like what are you what's the, the I music think is the most exciting thing in the show. I don't I don't know why, but I you're right. The music is like weirdly like over the top. Um yeah. like it's not only the music itself is over the top, like for for the mundane things they're doing, but it's like yeah. they do things with it that like normal anime usually doesn't doesn't really bother with, um, which is kind of cool, right? Like they have this mm-hmm. this like kind of like crescendoing thing where they're switching between the two viewpoint characters of like the millionaire and the like um, our exasperated Watson, and it's just like <laughs> it plays like a kind of like a, a quieter like calmer theme, and then. It, it switches the billionaire and it's like bah, 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 bah. <laughs> and uh, sure why not yeah i mean it's interesting yeah. but i don't understand who, who i guess they're trying some stuff like i guess they just had some money to burn evidently <laughs> i don't know How about that let's move on to the next couple things because um the next like three or four th- the next like couple of things like we can go over pretty quickly. Like, Apari Redman yeah. is a show about a person, a couple of people in a U.S. race. They have to drive across the United States. Um, it's essentially the plot races. of part seven of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, but less interesting. Um, the character mm-hmm. designs are wild. It's like Street Fighter cranked up to 11, where you have, like... Um, this like Mardi Gras voodoo doctor guy in one of these cars and he just looks like a palm tree that was regurgitated on by a color palette. Um, the main character looks like, like Ishikawa Goemon, the like persona summon, but more anime. Um, and it's all contrasted by the fact that, like, one of these characters is, like, this regular-ass samurai dude, and he just looks like a normal human being. <laughs> he's got thick <laughs> eyebrows, but other than that, he's dressed in, like, a normal kimono, and, it, like, everyone else looks fucking nuts-a-wild. <laughs> I don't... don't <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not... I don't know either. Oh, the show is uh, boring, by the way. Yeah, it kind of bounced off of the first episode. It's um, super, super boring. There's, like, really nothing there's... else to say about that. It's really just not worth watching. <laughs> um, If you want to watch, I guess, great racing animation, you can just watch Redline. Just watch Redline. It's way more interesting and actually awesome. Um, yeah. And actually compelling. Yeah. 
Okay, next, art, which is um, about a woman who wishes to be a, like, a noble lady who wishes to be a painter in, like, 16th century Florence. Um, but nobody wants to let her do that because she's a noble lady. And then she's like, cool, I'm going to quit being a nobility and try to become an art apprentice, and nobody will take her except for Leonardo da Vinci-sama. No, it's Leo. It's Le just Le Leo. Leo-san. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think it's surprisingly cute. Like it. It is surprisingly cute. The yeah. art style is cute. The yeah pace of it is is quite. Um, I wouldn't say slow. I would just say like uh, I wouldn't say meandering either. Like a nice way to put that. It's like lilting. Like not a ton yeah. really happens, but like it's it's like a slice of life show really. So not mm -hmm. a lot has to happen. Um, right. It's it has a pretty unique premise. I think it's interesting. Mm -hmm. But uh, other than that, like you know, that's kind of all it is, right? It's just like slice of life in 16th century Florence, which like it's like this close to being an isekai. <laughs> like it, it really is just this close. <laughs> Listen, we already got that out of Assassin's Creed, okay? Yeah, I mean, that's that's true. Um, yeah. We already yeah. got our Leo up in there. And... You know, I don't understand why this, this show exists, but I, I don't disdain it for existing. I think it's kind of cute. No, I think it's fine. Um, and it's based on a manga, which is also very uh, cutely drawn. And um, I like the art style a lot. It's, like, really simple and cute. It is, it is, yeah. I like it a lot, too. I think it's I, if you watch the first episode and you're like I'm down, then I I imagine the rest of the show is paced similarly. I think I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem like the kind of show that would flip all your expectations. You know, unless it does, in which case, boy howdy, they would have to do a huge tonal shift. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, next let's talk about <laughs> Princess Connect Redive, which is it's an anime based on a side games game. Uh, Princess Connect Redive, which is the sequel to Princess Connect, uh, which was a mobile game that they ran for about a year before it, it kind of went under. Um, very interesting that they decided to reboot it. But uh, mm -hmm. this is a good anime. This was a shockingly entertaining anime that when we first started watching it, I was like, this is this is a soupy anime. And then as we continued watching it, I was like, oh, this is a me anime too. <laughs> <laughs> I brought you on board. <laughs> they got me on board with their treatment of the protagonist. It's so funny. <laughs> okay, yeah. So the the main character of Princess Connect Redive, the like protagonist character, and I, I always think this is hilarious, um, which is yeah. how a game adaptation treats its main character. Um, yes. Because normally they tend to be quite bland. What they decided to do with Redive, and I don't, I do not know if this is the case in the game, right? But in, um, in the anime, they just treat him um, like he has amnesia. But they, but they just say, okay, he has super amnesia. He doesn't know how to do anything. He barely knows how to talk. He has to be taught that money isn't food. He has to be taught that food is good and that you eat it. Like, like he's a good-hearted, charming main character in the way that he's a literal baby. He's a literal baby embodying the the body of a teenager. As 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 avidly as we consume media, we have seen you know 
uh, protagonists like this who have been portrayed in ways like like in the Persona animations um, where you know it's it's like they they give him very few voice lines, but he is his own character, or uh, or you know he has or an amnesiac protagonist like that's also a huge thing in media. But I've never I don't I can't I struggle to recall an example of where <laughs> protagonist <laughs> a, this is a game protagonist is characterized. <laughs> In this way specifically, well, a silent game protagonist, right? Like, right, like a silent game protagonist. In the same, in the like, in the way that like, it makes sense, right? Like for a character that has to be walked through a bunch of tutorials of how to interact with the world. Yeah, that is not the weird. That's not the worst way to handle it, actually. Shockingly, I, I love it because it's it it. They have such a sense of humor because they know what they're doing when they give you like a silent protagonist role in their games, right? They're giving you like a husk of a human being. Like there, <laughs> right. there's no character inside of this husk, and so the fact that they made him baby <laughs> and that's his character. I I legitimately do not know if this if the, if that's what it's like in in the game, but I suspect not quite. <laughs> not quite to this extent at least but i don't know i've never played it so uh yeah i, I guess i guess i guess oh um, my god um there's some interesting stuff about princess connect it has some like really wild kind of underpinning lore that i will not spoil at this time um i will i will likely do it at the end of the season um because yeah. i bet they will reveal it by the end of the season but um weirdly the setting is very compelling to me um, but also the yeah. setup of it is quite compelling to me too. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. all right, it's a bunch of characters and they're going to live in a fantasy world and eat monsters. Fuck, fuck. You got me on board. That's like three things I love. Slice right. of life. There, there's monsters, a, a slice of life food? aspect of it. Yeah. Adventure. Fantasy. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Um, and, then, and then overarching plot that you kind of get tidbits about. Yeah. But, <laughs> Honestly, like, this show is surprisingly funny. Um, yeah. Like, it's shockingly funny for <laughs> for what it is. Like, um, I thought it would, just based on the first episode, I thought it would just be, like, the repeat of the gag of, like, just him getting eaten by monsters. And then they kind of expand on it more and more as you realize, like, how many things can happen because this protagonist is baby. <laughs> <laughs> right. Every other character has to pick up the slack, and I think that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's that's yeah. so funny to me um i it is funny <laughs> this is a, like it and this is interesting because this is like um i think it's produced by the like Psy games proprietary studio um which i'm sure they they poached like animators from other studios but like mm. um mm-hmm. it looks really good in in comparison yes. to things like the grand blue fantasy anime it looks really really good like it's <laughs> it's very clean uh, the animation mm-hmm. is great. Um, they obviously like use a lot of computer effects, but I think they use them quite effectively. Um, sure. Like they definitely include like a couple of Sakka shots per episode, and they're like definitely flexing <laughs> for yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, it looks really good, and it looks like they put a lot of care and attention into it, and that goes a long way in making something um enjoyable to watch. Yeah, it doesn't feel like your run of the mill make this game into an anime kind of deal. No, like they yeah, actually it, it seems like they actually care. care. And thought into it. Yeah. Um, now, as for the Grand Blue Fantasy anime, uh, 
That's <laughs> maybe they learned from their mistakes. <laughs> I suspect that they might have. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Honestly, like shockingly, I w- I would recommend this to like even people who don't really like the idea. I would, of, like, I would actually know. be inclined to agree. Like even if you don't know the quote unquote lore behind it with the original game and games, at least. Uh, it's entertaining in its own. It's, the, the context of the games just makes it more like, ooh, kind of deal. But it's basically like... You don't need it. Yeah, it's basically like um, a... It's like if Konosuba was not focused around uh, all of its characters having, like, really kind of um, intense character flaws. It is like a very toned down Konosuba. Like it's it's more wholesome. In it's that yeah, it's a wholesome universe. Konosuba. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Let's talk about listeners. <laughs> Let's talk about listeners. How much of this did we watch? Was it just one episode? We watched one episode of oh my god it felt so long okay it felt like we watched (laughs) three or four all right so this uh the the first episode at least i don't know how the rest of the anime goes but the first episode feels like a lesson in concept versus storytelling yes (laughs) The concept, art, and story, world building, all of that, very interesting. Character designs are fine. Like, like the art and animation itself is, is fine. Um, all of that, like, you would expect, considering you add up all these things together, would make a pretty decent anime. But then the storytelling comes along. <laughs> If and storytelling is how you carry this 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 wagon, this carriage of all this good stuff to its destination. And I don't know what <laughs> they were thinking, putting all these nice things into some rickety wagon with the wheels falling off. But my God, this this show seems to be a lesson in in directing. Um, <laughs> it is it is. <laughs> This is this is one of those things where you watch the first episode and it is a how to not do this. It is it is so poorly paced and so poorly directed that it is agony to watch. Like legitimately agonizing. And because you know maybe I have some issues with with the premise cuz I think it's a little bizarre, but it's unique, you know, and and I'll give it credit yes. for that. Um yes. The world mm-hmm. is very interesting. Uh, yeah. It it seems to have honestly, I'm I'm a little uh, like disappointed because the concept art for the the show looks awesome. It looks amazing. It's very very cool. Um, but in the the practice of putting it to to animation, what they've done is they have essentially taken the first draft of a story, right? Like if you wrote the first draft of a story, yeah. With annotations, where it's like, yeah. okay, like this is what it is, and this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and you just don't edit it at all. That's what it feels like I'm watching. It feels like they took a script that was like for very first rough draft, they turned it in, and they were like, okay, do this one to one, and the director was like, sure, whatever, right? Like, 
there is an unimaginable amount of filler content in the first episode. It's so boring. Like, here's the thing. The first episode could have taken place in, you know, if we're, if we're being like, if we're being generous, could say 10 minutes, right? If, if I was gonna, if I was gonna say like, how much time should it have taken if it was a good anime, I would probably say like five or six. Like, here's, okay. Here's, here's, here's the way the first episode goes, right? (laughs) I'm ready. I will, I will lay it out for you. Like, in in a way that that makes sense to me logically first, and then I will tell you how it actually is. So, here's the first episode, right? And this is this is the way that it actually does happen, right? Um, it opens on on the trash heap, like the the junkyard that the main character works in, and he's like collecting stuff, and then he collects stuff, and then he finds something, which happens to uh, lead to uh, him finding a an unconscious girl who he takes home and then they like have a conversation. They talk about some stuff. Um, and it turns out that she is a, an essentially an Ava pilot, right? That's just what it is. That's it's an, it's an Ava pilot. Um, and he happens to be someone whose hobby is to build, uh, Ava's or mechs. Um, but they're all music. Themed. They're all music themed. Like music that's, theme. that's the like premise of the show. And yeah. then, Monsters attack, which is why they have the mechs in the first place. And they're called the earless. Yeah. Because of course. Um and then they use the mech, defeat the earless, and then they're like, Cool, I guess we'll skip town. That's the first episode. Now, I was being very, very generous with how I plotted that out. Because yeah, you know, if because you if you, you follow you, that from point to point, you don't even really have right. to start at the beginning. You right. can start. I'm gonna say like sixty percent at the earliest. Like your story should not have twenty minutes of setup for two minutes of payoff. Exactly, and like like even the way that you summarized it is it's a little long. It's a yeah, little it's, gratuitous. It's long. And, like, I understand, like, when you think about it point to point, like, you're like, okay, well, first I have to establish the world, I have to establish these two meeting, I have to kind of fill in a bit of backstory because the girl is has amnesia, she doesn't know why she's there, and so you have the guy kind of explain, like, what she is and why she's important to this world, and then they have the conflict where the earless attack, and then they fight off the earless together, and then they have that resolution at the end. Yep. where they uh, skip town together. So, like, you, you would think that all of that would make for a, a, a packed episode. So why on earth does this episode feel like it is, like, an hour long? <laughs> we, and I'm not kidding you when I say this, but we had to check the time multiple times to make sure yes! it was not a double feature episode and that we were accidentally yeah. in it for the long haul. Yeah. Okay. So I gave you the generous one. Um, <laughs> this is what it what it like really realistically should have been. Yeah. Boy finds girl. Boy learns girl is mech pilot. Earless attack. Fight. Leave. That's the way it should have gone. Obviously, yeah. that's not the way that it went. Um, 
And then they could have had the characterization where they learn about each other, like, afterward or something. Right. Like, here, here, that's fine. Let, let me lay out for you what it looks like in the actual episode. Because this, this is, this is, and I'll give you the excruciating version. So, like, first, we get this, like, establishing shot of, like, of our main character. He's, like, a little boy. And he's, like, searching for junk. And he searches for junk for, like, three or four minutes. And, like, he's having a conversation with, like, other people. It's like, ah, it's such a hard day out of labor. But, you know, this is what we gotta do to survive. And then, eventually, he finds this, like, little node. He's like, oh, that could sell for money. And he, like, tries to grab it. He falls into a hole and he finds the the girl. Um, And he's like, whoa, girl, that's that's wacko. That's weird. Um, And then, like, he takes her home. And... I swear to God, there are, like, 10 or 12 minutes in, in this, like, scene where it is this entire long, drawn-out sequence where they're um, in, like, his sister's bar, and yeah. they spend, like, 10 minutes, 10 minutes establishing yep. every little detail that you could yep. ever want to know about the world. That's like, okay, well, you by see... By talking to each by other. By talking to each other. And it's like just still shots of them looking at each other and talking. Yep. It's like yep. it's like the worst D&D lore dump I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. It's like, ah, and then the earless attacked. What? I don't know about that. I have amnesia. But you're a pilot. I'm a pilot? A what? You're a listener. You're, I'm a what? You're a listener. You no, pilot a mech. She's a player. She's a player. <laughs> yeah, and then they have an argument, and she, like, throws his, like, mech on the ground, and he's like, oh, no, it's, like, broken! That was my dream! That was my favorite thing in the world! Why would you do that to me? You're so cruel! And then she runs away, and then eventually the earless attack, and he's like, no, I gotta find the the, the girl! Oh, no! And he's, like, running with the, like, the thing. He's like, I hope it still works. I hope it still works. I hope it still works. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, falls into a hole, and he's like, oh, I guess... <sighs> I just remembered there is like a 60 second plus sequence where he's falling and he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's one or two minutes, which is God, in anime time so long. He's falling and he's like crying. He's like, oh, I like don't want to die. I, I I didn't live that long of a life. I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. I I I'm like I'm so dead. Like I I really don't wanna. You know what am I gonna tell my sister? How, how will she feel? I didn't get to make up with that girl. I never got to see my man. And then eventually, <laughs> eventually we move on from that agonizing sequence and then the the mech activates and like the action scene is not that exciting because it's all CG and it doesn't look that good. Uh... And eventually it just I wish you were exaggerating but you aren't because I was there <laughs> eventually watching it just you reach the end of the episode and he's like get out of my town and they're like cool run away on the train yeah they, and, and and so uh, and you just wonder why <laughs> you wonder why and you also think about like how other series have done these kinds of things better like you can kind of tell where the influences come from like it's a bit of Eureka 7 it's a bit uh the 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 last shot where you see like the statue or whatever monument thing reminded me a bit of Fooly Cooly like just right that yeah kind of, that type of shot you know and so I was like okay like I okay but I feel like I would rather be watching either of those two shows. Right. <laughs> Listeners is like is like a horrific bastard child between Fooly Cooly 
and Eureka 7, and not in a good way. Like, it's like it took the worst parts of both of those shows and just mixed them into one disgusting, uh. like, mix, like, uh, one disgusting, like, jungle juice concoction. It's like... With the music as a theme. Yeah. Like, I, I was legitimately interested because, one, if you watch the trailer, it looks it looks great because you don't have any of this, like, terrible dragging on. Um, yeah. And I'm fascinated by the idea of of what it means to, like, what what is it trying to say about music that it's, like, yeah. no music exists in the world except that which is uh, given to us by mech pilots or whatever right. um, to defeat monsters. And it's, like, I'm sure there's something there, but I, like, I'm... I'm just wondering if it's worth it to slog through what I had to witness to to get through it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just no. Why? If they did, if they did us that dirty on the pilot, the the first episode. Yeah. No way. Yeah, that's that that's about my my feelings on it. Listeners is like highly disappointing. Maybe it gets better, but I maybe personally am not gonna stick around to find out. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. That's okay. our rant. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh my god, I'm exhausted. <laughs> let's let's talk. Uh, you know, more or less, pretty briefly about the next couple things. Um, so wave, listen to me, or Nami Yokite Kure is mm-hmm. about a young woman who gets drunk one night and um uh, gets put on the radio, and she like goes on this entire huge rant about her love life and about uh, men. And how terrible they are, and it's hilarious, and of course it does very well. Um, and then she becomes a radio person. Uh, this this yeah. is the I I maybe read a couple of chapters of the manga for this. I don't remember a ton about it, um, but it is. I mean, this is great. Like honestly, yeah. Um, it's very the writing is super on point. It's fun. It plays a lot mm-hmm. with the uh, the idea of of like radio voice um, and um, radio entertainment, and that's especially amusing because they're already voice actors and they're voicing characters, but now they're voice actors playing characters who are voicing on the radio. Um, <laughs> yes. So there's a couple layers. Uh, there's a lot of fun visual metaphors, like one where the setup is that she's she's currently fighting a bear, and then yeah, she like suplexes really the bear, and that it yeah. it's very funny, right? It's not like yeah. a like a, oh what's real, what's what's fake. It's literally just like this is just a visual metaphor or a visualization yeah. of what's happening. Um, yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's really good. Like I think um this 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 is already probably a pretty good manga. Um, but it it becomes a very different experience in anime where you actually get to hear the the voices going on, um, and I think that's that's actually really good. I think it really suits being an anime. Um, yeah. And I will say that it is a mature show, but not in like a sexual graphic or uh, or otherwise oh, kind no. of way. Yeah. Um, but it is a very like uh, these are just it. It's a mature way in the same way that listening to your friends bitch about their lives, like, when you're having, like, a night out drinking is is fun and mature. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Right. You, you, this is for people who have been through stuff or have heard their friends go through stuff. And right. You you don't get the same kind of context if you haven't had life experiences. <laughs> it is it is intensely relatable for um, people above the age of. I'm gonna say 21. Yeah, that's in fair. the United States, like 
Yeah. That's that's probably like I know people drink earlier, but like, you know, like well, yeah, but you gotta experience life, life too. <laughs> yeah, like you don't really get it until you're you're out of school. Yeah. Um, but it is it it's so good. Yeah, no, it's it's wonderfully done. It's very um, well put together. The animation's great. Yeah. I I have a slight disagreement with the way that they shade their eyes, and it drives me up the wall. And... Yeah, I see that. It's fair. It's fair. Yeah, it's it's a very unique choice in the same way that. That one anime had that blur effect over Ugh. their entire anime. Yeah. It's a unique choice that I personally disagree with. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even, it's not even evocative of the original manga no, style it's not. from what it's I not. saw. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it's very distracting and it's hard to get used to, but I'm sure I would get used to it for the sake of watching this anime because it's really entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's. I, it's just raucously entertaining, you know. It's yeah. it's just some good old good old fashioned vent humor. Yeah. Okay. Next is Gal and Dinosaur, um, or Gyaru and Dinosaur. Um, <laughs> so, uh, for those of you that don't know what a Gyaru is, it is a subculture in Japan that mainly focuses around um, very flashy fashion um, and like. Uh, I almost want to say gaudy garments and like accessories. Um, and sometimes you get suntans or spray tans or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's like a kind of thing. It's like um, like it's almost like being like a like a like a Jersey Shore kind of person. Um, like very fashionista. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of vibe. Like like getters are like popular like party people. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's the kind of that's the kind of like subculture that they fit in. Um, but you know, it varies. And this is about a a gal and a dinosaur. She just finds a dinosaur and is like, "Cool, I guess I guess I live with a dinosaur now." Um, and it's it's just kind of like this. It, it's a very odd series. Uh, even the manga is like very very weird. Um, because it's like it just kind of plays it like really straight. And, like, that's where the humor yeah. kind of comes from, where it's just, like, yeah, no one really, like, questions the fact that there's a dinosaur living in her house. They just kind of are, like, wait, can dinosaurs eat ramen? The art style is very cute and simple. Um, the anime for Gal and Dinosaur is very interesting. Um, because the manga is, is quite straightforward. It's just, like, a, a, a four-panel, like... Um, you know, like a like a Sunday morning cartoon sort of, uh, or a, a Sunday paper like comic strip, um. But the anime takes those, uh, bits and they, kind of do whatever they feel like doing with them, which I think is is very interesting. Uh, as far as an adaptation goes, it is one of the wildest adaptations of anything that I've <laughs> seen in a long time. Uh-huh. Um, it is. A lot of it, a lot of the humor of the original comes from the situational humor, um, of like just kind of a dinosaur attempting to live in a mundane, uh, world. Um, and who knows if it's even really a dinosaur. Um, but a lot of the humor mm. in the anime is, and I think this is to its credit, quite visual. Um, there's a lot of yeah. visual gags. Um, yeah. Like there's there's portions that are animated in like what you would traditionally expect an anime to look like. Um, you know, and then there's 
parts that are like claymation or like felt doll animation um mm-hmm. or or films or yeah live. so like the weirdest thing by <laughs> far was uh, in the first episode half of the episode is dedicated to recreating the the first couple like um strips uh or like sequences but in real life and the gal is replaced with like an old actor guy and the dinosaur is is like a person in a costume and they just play it completely straight there's like there's no joke other than the fact that you're just watching this happen it's very weird it's very like pop team epic um in terms of like how it looks uh but it's very different in terms of how the comedy plays yeah Mm -hmm. it's very much about the absurdity of what you're witnessing um, it's it's a lot slower paced than the humor in Pop Team Epic. Like, yeah, Pop Team Epic is very, you know, vo- very bombastic and fast, and the jokes, like they they hit you and then they run and then. <laughs> I think I like I like Gal and Dinosaur because it's maybe the driest humor I've ever seen from yeah. anything. It's so <laughs> dry, it's ridiculous, and I kind of am in love with it. I actually really like this show. It's very charming. Yeah, it, it has a lot of charms. I'm very curious what, to see what they do in the, the further episode. We only watched one episode, so um, yeah. And the thing is, though, like, they're I kind of expected them to be short form, so it's very like an interesting decision to me that they um, decided to make it, you know, uh, a full yeah. a full length kind of um, deal. Uh, yeah, we'll see curious. whether that was a good choice because I did feel like the first episode was pretty long, especially like the live action. Well, live action was really like, long because we just our... watched it in yeah. animation. Yeah. So it was. It felt long. <laughs> I. It was just like one of those bits that you like. You just like when when does this bit stop? Yeah, exactly. You keep <laughs> you keep thinking like, are they are they going to keep going? And then they just keep going until until it's finished until they recreated everything, and then some. Very odd. Um, yeah. But cool, actually. I think one of the coolest things to come out this season. Um, and this season yeah. has a lot of really good stuff, actually. Um, kind of it like does. looking looking at it. Um, you know, yeah. Obviously a shame that some of it is being delayed by this global pandemic. Um, yeah. Very trying times we live in, so it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, touch briefly on Olympia uh, Key Close, which is similar in that it's a, it's – entirely claymation it's vaguely funny it's like it's a gag comedy like you know it's a very straightforward like short form gag comedy um about a um person from ancient greece that gets i guess teleported to like modern day japan and has to yeah function there. i i very much did not know what to think about this show <laughs> I, I didn't really know either sometimes you see a show and you're like i don't understand why this exists but in like more of yeah. an existential sense than a like um this is like has problematic content sense it's just like right right i exactly. do not understand the <laughs> sequence of events that led to this person thinking that this was an interesting setup but i'm right. here for it i guess <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to watch more of it, but it's, it, I mean, it's yeah. a gag comedy, so it it's pretty, like, yeah. it's like popcorn content. Like, yeah, have yeah. a good time, honestly. You know, it's, it's like Seco Boys. <laughs> you're just, like, you're you're mainly, you're mainly there for the absurdity of what, what it is you're watching. It is, um, the main character is, uh, uh, like, a Greek statue, and he's, like, animated entirely using clay, which is interesting. Um, I, I like getting anime that's not traditionally animated. I think that's, that's very cool. Um. Yeah. Okay, talk to me about Woodpecker Detective. All right. <laughs> so I watched um the first three episodes. Sure. And you've watched 
the first episode. Yep. So I might end up having to spoil like the first three episodes, but that I don't is think no you problem. Care. Okay. <laughs> so I do not care. Um the way that this show is set up, it feels very like at least from the first episode and especially from the intro, which I uh I only noticed afterward how much it is. Alright. Um so from the very first episode you establish this deep connection between uh this poet and um his friend. Uh yes, a definitely and, heterosexual and not gay yes, relationship. But the way that the intro presents itself, it's it's basically all dudes bunch of dudes and they're all in you know different outfits and they're the way that they're drawn is very pretty and then they have two dudes with matching earring studs and i'm like my freaking god (laughs) and so they they spend the first episode basically establishing how close these uh the poet and and his friend like how close their friendship is um by how the friend um basically sells all of his stuff away so that the poet can stay in town and pay his rent. Um, and then the friend is, I mean, the, the poet is like, oh my gosh, I, you know, uh, for the rest of my life, I'll um, make sure no harm comes to you kind of deal. Um, and the very beginning of the episode starts with the friend saying, my best friend died. <laughs> Like oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, that's how the be- very beginning of the first episode starts, is the friend saying his poet friend died. And so uh, the second episode feels like someone watched the first episode and they were like, I don't want any of this homo business up in my business. You need to back <laughs> the F up. <laughs> and so they spend the episode with... A poet guy convincing his friend, who is very uncomfortable with this proposition, to go to a brothel in the red light district, yada, yada, yada. And he's very, very, very insistent on it. And the friend is so uncomfortable until the poet starts challenging his manliness about the whole DL and be like, and, and, and so then the friend gets like, you know, all up in arms and he's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And, you know, "Mm, let's go. They go to the brothel. Um, friend is very you know he's 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 like a professor type you know and so he is very proper he doesn't know what to do he has very little experience with women um and so the poet friend is kind of like laughing at him because he's he's been around you know with the ladies and so uh he sets up his friend with uh this this woman um they go off to their rooms but the rooms are right next to each other and so the poet is more interested in like kind of eavesdropping as best as he can into what his friend is doing with the other lady rather than spending time with the lady that he's with. Um, the evening transpires. Uh, you hear the friend eventually storm out of the adjoining room. Um, and then later you see that the woman that he was with is dead. And she on the floor, she is, like, bloody, like, there's a knife in her throat. She dead, dead. The police arrive, and um, there's a lot of witness testimony placing these two at the, at the scene. And so the poet says, my friend was in that room with that woman. And 
immediately the friend is like, yo, what the F? (laughs) 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 I thought we were bros. (laughs) And so then the friend claps back and he's like, well, he's crying at this point because he's like, he got betrayed by his friend. He's like, I thought that, you know, I, you know, we were friends, but, you know, and, and, and then he tells his side of the story where, uh, he was with this woman and the woman, um, like, like it was really awkward. Like he wasn't able to like, you know, kind of accept her advances basically. And so, uh, he kind of like pushes her away and he apologizes for it. And she says something implicative about like how the, his poet friend isn't as good a guy as he thinks he is. And then the friend gets upset at her and he's like, don't talk about him like that. Um, and then he eventually storms out. Um, the way that the poet friend tells his account to the police is that, you know, those two were in the room together. He heard a disagreement. He thinks that maybe his friend might have killed her out of, like, anger because she was insulting his manlyhood or whatever because he wasn't, because he couldn't, like, get it up with her, basically, is, is what he was implying. And so you, it's just this huge tonal shift between the first episode, which tried so hard to establish their friendship and how close they are, to them literally accusing each other of murder in the second episode. Huh. And the friend gets arrested at the end of the episode. <laughs> wait, what? And so, yeah, and so I what, love... Wait, I was, wait, wait, I, wait, wait, I wait, wait, like, wait, what? What? <laughs> no, no, hang on, What? And so... Like these, hold on, you're talking about the, the two guys in the, the first yes. episode? Yes, those two guys, what? right? The... <laughs> Uh, and so I was like, oh my God, I don't know how to feel. I'm very confused. I'm very like frustrated because I don't know why this is happening. I hope that this is just leading into a thing in the third episode, right? So third episode comes out. I'm like, okay, let's figure what happened out. Uh, the poet had, the poet and that friend have like a group of other writer friends and they're all kind of like, I guess, like, amateur detectives-ish or whatever. Like, they they get involved in the case, and they're trying to figure it out. Um, and so, basically, you eventually get this testimony from another dude who happened to, I guess, follow these two guys during their whole escapade or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sees exactly what happens. He kind of tells it as it is. Um, and he solves the case by basically saying that uh, the poet and the woman that he had set up his friend with, they knew each other on a more personal level than what the poet was letting on. And uh, eventually it comes out that uh, this woman was actually in love with his with, with his professor friend. Like, she wanted to be set up in this way to meet him. And so she came to this town, and she ended up working at that brothel so that she could eventually see him. But the problem is that he never once wanted to go to that, to the red light district, like at all. Like that's not in his character at all. And so, despite the poet trying to like you know set things up between them, kind of make things happen, you know, the the friend never wanted to go. And so, eventually, when he was finally able to convince this guy to go, uh, it ends kind of like how you would expect in that he was too embarrassed to like actually engage in relations and and it fell apart and he left and so when the poet came to her room after his friend stormed out 
uh, the woman was like upset. She was crying and like, you know, her, you know, basically she was brokenhearted. And he got so angry at his friend that later on when the woman um, turned up dead, he decided that he was going to accuse his friend of her death. What the fuck? <laughs> and so the revelation like is like like and and by this point when the guy is like explaining what happened and and when I'm solving the case the poet like starts laughing he's like ha 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 like I knew I knew that this would I knew that this was what was going to happen of course it wasn't in his character to like be with her and and all that and he kind of like drops like a a slight line during this episode he or someone else basically says kind of implies that like what if he's like not into women you know whatever whatever but like otherwise it's mostly about him being mad that him trying to set up this woman with uh his friend just didn't work out to the point that he decided to accuse his friend of murder because this woman apparently didn't have very long to live and so when he uh i guess turned her affections away she decided to take her own life, and that's how she died. <laughs> and okay. so he got so upset over that that he decided to accuse his friend of murder and get him arrested. Okay. <laughs> and so the episode resolves with the police letting the friend go because I guess the truth gets revealed off screen, or like to the police off screen. And he leaves the police station and he runs into his poet friend who's outside, kind of like acting like he was just kind of like wait like walking by but not really like you know he's kind of there indignantly um and they're still like you know obviously they're not on good terms because they accused each other of murder um but they actually do talk a little bit um but eventually i guess the friend he never tells the friend exactly what happened to make him accuse the guy of murder but they just kind of like let that be and then the poet punches him in the arm I guess, like, as as retribution or whatever, added anger to whatever, you know, feelings he still had about the whole deal. And then he, and then they carry on at the and, and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> okay. Um. So. Uh, okay. Um. Hmm. As as my first kind of like uh, foray into analyzing any anime, my my first question is is of course why, <laughs> like why? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I don't, I don't quite understand the shape of this narrative at all. Me neither. This seems to me like like the like. Chaotic evil version of Showa Genroku Rakugo Shinju. Yeah, it does. Like somebody took the elements yeah. of 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 Rakugo and they were like, "What if we made them all bad? What if we made every single part of this bad?" I, I don't. Oh my god! I, I'm like so my brain sad. is trying to like understand why any of this might have happened like what what is why okay it's like one why is the form of the narrative <laughs> like two why is the purpose of the narrative 
Um, three, why? (laughs) I just don't get it. The only, okay, so the only reason I could think of that they would tell the narrative in this way, where they would first establish their friendship and then they would break it up, is that they want to get their fighty fight business out the way from the get-go so that they could spend the rest of the series with them, like, learning to cooperate with each other and solve cases together. I don't know why they could just skip all that and, and just go directly into the case-solving together. Like, they they solved the case in the first episode-ish. Like, they didn't even really solve it. He just provided reasonable doubt that the person they were, that the police were accusing of murder may not have been a, been the one who to, who murdered the, the victim. And that's it. They didn't even solve it. Which I, I hope will be resolved later. But, oh my god. The... <laughs> because by the end of the series, he has to basically regard this guy as his best friend again. Because that's how this, the series began, was him in the future saying, my best friend died. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that is something. Um. Anyway, that's that show. I don't. I cannot recommend it right now, but uh, uh-huh. maybe I'll continue watching it if I can summon the willpower to see how it ends. <laughs> Fair enough. I. What a. What a bizarre thing. <laughs> well. Um. I guess on that note, we can we can wrap up. <laughs> Let's wrap up. <laughs> I don't. I like. Uh, why? <laughs> Is, I don't maybe know. there's I wanna know too. Maybe there's just something about Japanese mystery shows that are just like inherently a little like off. Uh. Whatever. Um Okay, well uh I suppose thank you for joining <laughs> us everybody on this long and Dude. arduous journey through We ranted al- a lot. Almost three hours <laughs> we watched a lot this season. Uh or we, we sampled did. a lot this season and we had a I'm lot of I'm really feelings. impressed. Yeah, yeah, we did yeah. we did good. We did good. That's um <laughs> That's that uh that's shelter at home for you, you know. <laughs> Not time to watch it. I mean it's all it was also that um unnaturally long hiatus we accidentally took. Uh Yeah, that's which, true. Which uh spe- speaking of, and this is just just an aside. I'm not calling you out or anything. Um but I did notice the other day when I was looking at how many video versions we have of our 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 uh um our podcast, I was like, "Oh, we're only like here." I know. Don't don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? I'm working my, through it. My excuse is I just I just gave you a little more time to catch up. Um, no worries. Yeah, Those will exactly. come out when they come out. Um, don't worry about it yeah. too much. Uh, yeah. I I will not. Um, I will I will not grief <laughs> you for this. Um, I will not give you grief for it. Um. All right. Well, uh, who are you? Where can we find you on the internet? What are you up to? You could find me on Twitter, Tumblr, Twitch. Facebook and all that at Swan Drawn. You can find me on Instagram at swan.drawn. I'm resuming my playthrough of Okami, uh, which is very not rant-inducing because I love that game. It will calm me down when I think about aggravating anime with severe tonal shifts. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it goes. <laughs> so it goes. Yeah. How about you, buddy? Uh, you can find me all the places at Literal Soup. I'm really not up to much right now. Uh, I'm taking a break from Twitter <laughs> so that I can get work yep. done. Um, but that should be 
more or less uh, not the case by the time this episode comes out, I think. Um, I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure. But, uh, yeah, I'm not really up to much. I'm kind of just trying to catch up on the work I, I need to do already. Like, I have a bunch of Patreon stuff that is piling up that I really kind of need to get to because I feel really bad. Um, but I just haven't really had... You know what? It's not it's not even that I haven't necessarily had time to breathe. Um, it's just that I need to take a lot of time to breathe because, um, I don't know, it's a little stressful being in a global pandemic where everything is terrible all the time. Um, <laughs> that's that's what I'm up to. I mean, you can always find me here at the podcast. Like That's that, that's a thing, Ooh. I suppose. Um, or, or, you know, pop a, pop a message in the Patreon server and I'll just... Woo, woo, woo. We, can, we, can, we can chat. Um... So our opening is by Scotty Network, and our ending is by Takamakata. And the patrons we are thanking this month are Frostfall, Cheru, Sean, uh, Gwen, Claire, uh, Figure Four, and Magpie Mirror Test. Thank you so much for supporting well, us, especially you. in these trying times. Um, especially when we're ranting about a lot of different anime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, it really does mean the world to us. Um, and thank you, everyone else, yeah. to, to, uh, for listening. And we will yeah. see you next time. See you next Tá, né?